the box. Won't be seen tonight, so we can bring you a very special episode of The Gen X Files. Welcome to the Gen X Files. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about the Terminator. Terminator. Oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> Another first in a franchise that gets really ridiculous. Oh, my God. And this was just a B movie, basically. Yeah. All of the movies that we've done uh, this month all pretty much started out of small movies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nothing, yeah. no, no uh, delusions of grandeur that they'd be yeah. these giant... Uh, franchises, franchises yeah. that span decades and just get worse and worse <laughs> as time goes on. Keep hoping, keep hoping for better movies. Oh my god! And, and I okay. So I think quality, aliens, the franchise, yeah, best quality. Yeah, I, uh, of the three to a certain point. Yeah. Well, okay, but let's. It, it was better for longer than the others. Well, but, okay, yeah. So Terminator One and Two. Brilliant. Both yes. brilliant movies. Yes. All of, all of the other Terminator movies are completely forgettable to me. The series was good. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Didn't Sarah that, Connor Chronicles. Yeah, didn't yeah. that star... Lena Headey. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And uh, I forgot the other woman from, uh, from Firefly. Uh, Summer Glau. Summer Glau. I don't know Thank how you. I remember that. That was a great pull. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed that. I thought that was really clever. It was done really well. But uh, all of the movies have just been so... Well, yeah. They they don't have the fun anymore. Like Yeah. The the they all are so serious and so apocalyptically serious, especially like the the Christian Bale one. Oh my god, that was interminable. So bad. So bad. It's and, like nobody wants to see that. And you know, Nick Stahl and Terminator Three, you know, they tried. It was okay. I, of all the sequels beyond the first two, the James Cameron movies, three is probably my favorite. And we were just talking before the show about the last movie. I hadn't I totally forgot <laughs> it even existed. <laughs> they tried to reboot the series at least three times. We'll talk about it at the end. Good but Lord. like they tried so hard and they're still trying. Oh yeah. I, I mean well, the the Rambo franchise is the worst in terms of quality degradation. Yes. That one goes down immediately <laughs> and then just keeps sinking into a sinkhole. Well, the second movie is good for the first two acts. Sure, yes. <laughs> yes. But it's not like Aliens, which is a, a, no, a masterpiece it's in its own Brilliant, way. yeah. It takes the... The problem is with uh, Rambo is... It gets more and more fantastical and yeah. bigger, but not more believable. Right. But at least with Alien, Aliens and yeah. the other movies, they take it... A, they get... Okay. For, I need to address this really quickly. I always say, A, blah, 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 and there's never a B. <laughs> there's never C or D. My New Year's resolution <laughs> is to stop doing A, <laughs> A... Oh my God! Two D. Yeah, I apologize to everybody. A blabbity blue and two jabbity shoe. That's uh, that's a Home Alone. Yes. The, the weird brother from yeah, Home Alone. I'm, I'm about as smart as <laughs> Buzz. Buzz. Oh Home my Alone. God, Buzz. Yeah. Ugh. Sorry, people. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm really gonna try. Will you stop me every yeah. time I say A? Yeah. So A. No. Uh, I will ask what B is. <laughs> yeah, please, because they're never – seriously, I've listened to – like, you know, I, we cut the shows. So i got to yeah, listen yeah. to my nonsense. And every time, every single time I say A, there's never a B, ever. <laughs> I don't think I've ever said a B. I, I mean, I, I find that kind of charming. Well, you're sweet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I find it kind of stupid. But anyway, A, there's a – no. Uh, but the – 
the Terminator franchise was the second one is amazing, and he, and, yeah. and the second one really kind of fulfills his desire for the first one, which was yeah. to have the liquid Terminator. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't have the that's the and, and we'll talk about it, but like it it was. Part of his original idea right. was the second movie, yeah. and it was just too much in 1984. Yeah. And know. it expanded upon it and made it, it – made it it? Oof. Yeah. It expanded upon it and made it bigger without making it bloated, if yes. that makes sense. Yes. And that's the same thing with Aliens. But uh, Rambo 2 gets a little bloated towards the end. The oh, end. yeah. Oh, the, that last act is – And then 3, 4, 5. It's uh, just, then it's just ridiculous. It's just – what was it? What do they call it? Carnage porn? Carno porn? Uh, carnography. Carnography. Yeah. Carnage and pornography. Car- carnage. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. The problem with the Rambo franchise is that it was just Stallone. Yeah. And and I think the key with the Alien franchise and with Terminator is James Cameron. I mean, at the end of the day, like and Ridley Scott. I mean, obviously Ridley Scott at the beginning, but I sure. mean, doing a good sequel with yeah. James Cameron. And then after that, they kind of fell off. I, although I love David Fincher, I love Jean-Paul mm-hmm. Genet. Like, they made good movies, but they're just not quite that same quality. Well, David Fincher wasn't established enough to get the movie made that he wanted. Yes. And I think if we got the movie he wanted, it would have been... It would have been amazing. You know, because I've, I've seen... If you have a, if you have the Alien Quadrology, yeah, yeah. they have a lot of great supplementals, and one of them is... There's a director's cut of each movie. Right, right. So you can see exactly what the directors wanted to do. They're not polished. There's used a lot of uh, animatics yeah. and, yeah. and uh, you know, unfinished uh, effect shots and stuff. But it's very interesting to see. That's the thing about Hollywood. It's like you get to the point where you're Cameron and you can do whatever you want. Right. Nobody's going to tell you boo. Right, right. But when you start out, especially if you're a very talented and strong-headed director like somebody like adventure yeah you're gonna butt heads with the studio because oh, they're gonna yeah. want to keep their franchise it's, uh, it's their, accessible yeah it's their money maker like they don't want you to tank it and, and he's like i'm killing everybody <laughs> and i don't give an f <laughs> um but yeah. yeah but uh but you're right cameron is an incredible filmmaker i i i know people are like hey whatever but he can t- he is the opposite to me of uh, Schneider. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because Zack Snyder is the complete opposite of James Cameron because James Cameron can tell these big, bombastic, crazy, effects-filled stories, but yeah. they have a story and they have heart. Yeah. And you, you and you care about the characters and they're put together in such a masterful way that even – look, the Avatar movies are extremely forgettable. Sure. But when you're watching them, they're amazing. It's a yeah, beautiful yeah. world I, that he's created. I've seen them both in 3D, right. and it is amazing. Really good movies. But for some reason, they just don't stick to your ribs like a Star Wars yeah. or a Star Trek or, or something. Or like Terminator or or Terminator, Terminator 2. <laughs> yeah. But the first two Terminator movies were so good that they've been trying to replicate that for yeah. the last 30 years. Yeah. To oh ill my effect. God. The first movie, this movie we're going to talk about, spawned so many Awful B movies. Oh my god! But the, watching this again, and it's been a, a minute since I've seen yeah. it. Probably I don't know five, ten years. Mm-hmm. It is. It really holds up. Oh, it's so good. And it's so good. It is so well told. And I remember seeing this in the theater and not knowing very much about it. Laser Tag Larry and I went to see oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. Got dropped off by my mom, and uh, 
And it was great because at the beginning, you don't know what the F is happening. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's two nudes. Who's 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 the good guy? Who's the bad yeah. guy? Or, are is, they both is bad there guys? a good guy? Yeah, because yeah. they you know they tell us that they send the Terminators back. They didn't say anything about sending somebody back to save them. Right. So right. basically, the the opening crawl sets it up as a hit piece. Right. And then these two nudie dudes come <laughs> popping out. Nudie duties. Like, my favorite is the reaction from the garbage man. Oh, what's going on here? <laughs> he's like, I'm going to get the F out. out. <laughs> exactly. It's awesome. I would too. I mean, good lord. Big old naked Arnie coming at you? Mm-mm, no thanks. It starts and it doesn't stop. No, and those it, are the yeah. best kind of thriller and movies. Cameron is so good at that. I that is, is uh, and and technically the Avatar movies do that too. But like, there's a lot of more downtime, and maybe that's why. But like, True Lies is just start to finish, like bang, bang, bang. You know, all the the Terminator movies. I mean, Titanic technically. I will say this about him, and. A, no, I'm just kidding. I'm going to be doing that all <laughs> show, by the way. Uh, I will say this, I think. And I'm, I, it, this may be a controversial opinion. Yeah. But I think The Terminator is such a good movie because he didn't have the freedom to bloat it. And yeah. as much as I am a, a, a fan of Cameron mm-hmm. and I think he's a genius, I think the freedom to do whatever he wants bloats his movies. Yeah. And he could cut, you know, 30, maybe 40 minutes out of most of these movies. Yeah. I mean... Yes, I would say uh, definitely the bigger movies like Titanic and the Avatar movies, probably. Sure. I mean, not that they're not entertaining. Look, I never expected to like the Titanic. Oh, I know. I know. I, did, I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, I saw that three times in the theaters. <laughs> I mean, like, I, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. My girlfriend at the time was obsessed with that movie. And whenever we would make love. Oh, God. She would have put that soundtrack on. Oh, God. You know how, like, distracting and awful? And then she'd be like, and now they're getting on the ship. I'm like, well, you, can yeah. you just... Uh. And I'm a... I'm, all right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm out. No, I could never finish. <laughs> I just kept thinking about Billy Zane. Oh. 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 Okay. Yeah. Anyway, but... I would finish in two seconds. Mm. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a handsome chap. <laughs> Look, uh, this movie is the perfect example... Of a thriller. It's just yeah. it's so yeah. taut. It has so many cool MacGuffins. Yeah. And all the characters are great. It, he he has a, a knack for picking really great actors and yeah. then sticking with them, too. He's a very yeah. loyal guy, it seems. But, man, this movie just stops. It doesn't doesn't – it just stops. It doesn't start. <laughs> <laughs> it just stops and doesn't start. It's super boring. <laughs> it's great. It's 30 it's seconds long. It just starts and it does not stop until the yeah. end. I – the I I had never and granted I didn't see it when it first came out because I was five but like when when I finally saw Nerd. it I, yeah <laughs> blame my parents uh, when I finally saw it it was it, much like most people I had never seen anything like it like I'd never thought about the idea yeah. of AI becoming evil and trying to murder everybody yeah like and I know there were stories before and. And on, and we'll get into it, but like Harlan Ellison sued him because he thought he stole the idea. Oh. But uh, but it's at the end of the day, for mass culture, no one had seen this before. No, no, it was great. And I mean, you know, we had like Demon Seed and a few of these AI movies. You know, like yeah, the house but not, that impregnates the lady. Not to this. Not no, to, not this personable. Where it's like one machine's coming back to murder you. And it was a lot of. There was a lot of things that kind of came together to make this movie great. A, oh, God damn it. <laughs> a? Uh, a lot of things that made this movie great. Yeah. Uh, one of them yeah. was that he, uh, one of them was that 
Cameron started out in effects, so he knew how to do yeah, effects. Yeah. And so he could make the budget work for him. Right, right. And so this smallish movie yeah. looks so much bigger than it should. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it's got... It's it's a little dated with the puppetry yeah, and the stop yes, motion, but, but the, it adds to the charm. And, and yeah, the, the the fake Arnie is not the greatest looking thing, but that's now. You know, yeah. in 1984, it, it was, was yeah. it was like, oh my god, look at his face. Well, we had barely seen anything like that. We had seen Empire Strikes Back when they're you know fixing yeah, the robot which arm was cool. Of, uh, yeah, you know, but but they he took also that. had five times the budget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? uh, but he but he took that. That kind of thing, and expanded upon it, and just the pulling the eye out—it was yeah, just, yeah. it was great. And and it's like good thing he had some big sunglasses to cover up, so we didn't have to <laughs> use special effects. But uh, but it just it there were you didn't you didn't really get to know any. You got to know just enough about people. Yeah, yeah. you got to know just enough about the world. Right after right. the apocalypse, and it was a great balance. It was a great balance of the future and the past that made you want to know so much more about the future and yeah. made you just desperately want to find out what happens in the present. Yeah, yeah. I I think the other thing, too, is that Cameron knew his limitations. Like, mm-hmm. he knew, like, because he did want to do the T-1000, but he knew in 1984 it wasn't going to work. No. So he was like, all right, well, I'm not going to include that then. I'm not going to include it make it look bad. Like, I want to wait. I mean, he did the same thing with the Avatar movies. Like, yeah. he was waiting until he had the technology to be able to do the movie he wanted. Well, I, then he made the Abyss. Yeah. So he could get the liquid right. special effects thing right. down. Right, figured you know? out. Yeah, yeah. And he you know, did, and then yeah. he was able to make T2. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's get into it. Yeah, let's go. What time? I mean, she's uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> what year are we at? Uh, take yourself back to 1984. Oh, yeah. George Orwell. George Orwell, yeah, yeah. It was the year of Orwell. Double speak. <laughs> January 14th, a $10 million award to the family of a man killed by a five-story tall parts retrieval robot is raised to $15 million. Robert Williams was killed at the age of 25 in 1979 in what is considered to be the first time a person was killed by a robot. But not the last. Uh, I, I mean, probably not. No, there's a lot of... Uh... Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that get killed in the Amazon warehouse yeah. by those. Oh yeah, st- yeah. Stocking robots. Oh, God knows how many people have died with Tesla cars driving them off That's the roads true. and stuff. Yeah. August third, the Philadelphia Experiment is released in theaters to mixed reviews. It's a box office flop, but spawns a renewed interest in the urban legend of the failed invisibility experiment. It was such a whack movie. I remember yeah. seeing that. It was so. I didn't even understand. Honestly, when I saw it, I didn't even understand that it was about an invisibility experiment. Well, that's because it was time travel. They went to the future. And I was like, well, oh, it's about them trying to be invisible? It doesn't yeah, make any it sense. Doesn't, it, it was awful. But it, it just, the, the urban legends and the conspiracy theories about how it was, quote unquote, real. Yeah. Like, it wasn't at all. <laughs> it wasn't at all. September, Marvel releases the first Transformers comic books due to the rampaging su- success of the Hasbro toy line. We get the Decepticons. We are the Goodicons. What are they? Autobots. Autobots. <laughs> Autobots. What does he say? Roll out. Autobots. Roll out. Let's get the Decepticons. He does not say let's get the Decepticons. Time for some Decepticon butt kicking. We're going to show them a thing or two. Yeah. Let's get their oil. 
That's what he would always say. Get the, no, they, they want the Allspark. That's the. Well, they also needed oil. Come on. Have you not seen the extremely bloated Transformers Let's franchise? Get the Allspark. Yeah, there's a franchise that's <laughs> all bloat and no substance. October 26th, The Terminator premieres. Wow. That was a great day. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> so, yeah. so James Cameron's directing career began in 1978. Uh, after borrowing money from a consortium of dentists, he learned to direct, write, and produce his first short film, Xenogenesis with a Friend. I would have liked to see his pitch meeting to the consortium of dentists. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure why he went to dentists to do it. But well, back then... They gave him like 50 grand. Yeah, well, uh, back then, people were starting to get into... Uh, Financing films, like businessmen. Yeah. Uh, like it was a, a trend of, of yeah. random business people investing sure, it was in like, well, Hollywood. Yeah. I oh, mean, we can get into that market. Why not? Yeah. I mean, it's always been that way. Smaller budget movies. Those people. You know. Well, the funny thing is that the dentist, I didn't include this, but after they saw a cut of the movie, they literally got their money back from him. Four out of five dentists <laughs> agree. This movie sucks. <laughs> he took it back. They were like, <laughs> yeah, this is not going to make any money. Uh, Xenogenesis is about Raj, an engineered man trained to deliver humanity from the final cataclysm, and Lori, a woman raised by a machine, but she alone knew the power of love, who are sent in a gigantic sentient starship to search space for a place to start a new life cycle. So basically Titanic. Uh, and ironically, Cameron shot most of it in his living room. Nice. <laughs> I don't know how he got a gigantic sentient starship out of his living room, but he did it. Yeah, if anybody could do it. Uh, I did try to find this, and I could not find the short film anywhere, oh. unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, learning as they went, Cameron said he felt like a doctor doing his first surgical procedure. Okay. Uh, it was, he managed to convince a bunch of dentists to give him 50 grand, and then was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, that's, uh, hey, man, it's P.T. Barnum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He then served as a production assistant for Rock and Roll High School in 1979. Rock, 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 rock and roll high school. For the <laughs> Yeah, the, yes. While educating himself... While educating himself about filmmaking techniques, Cameron started a job as a miniature model maker at Roger Corman Studios. Oh, yeah. Uh, mainly because Corman really liked Xenogenesis. I really liked it. <laughs> well, you know his taste. <laughs> He's like, this is some amazing special effects. Wow, this was made for 50000 <laughs> uh, He was soon employed as an art director for the science fiction film Battle Beyond the Stars in 1980. Check out our Battle Beyond the Stars episode. He carried out the special effects for John Carpenter's Escape from New York in 1981. Great movie. Great movie, great effects. Served as production designer for Galaxy of Terror that same year. Don't remember that I one. I don't remember that either. Uh, and consulted on the design for Android in 1982. All right. Cameron was hired as a special effects director for the prequel to, or sorry, the sequel to Piranha, titled Piranha 2 The Spawning in 1982. The Spawning. <laughs> <laughs> the original director, Miller Drake, left the project due to creative differences with producer Ovidio Asanitis. Really? You're having creative differences over Piranha 2, the spawning? Look, I don't think a piranha would do that, okay? I, I, I think a lot of it was that the producer was just a giant dick. Well, it's also, I get it too, because every answer on a Corman movie is no. <laughs> can I get no? I, but I need some no. I, can I get a jib? No. Can we get more piranhas? No. Any piranhas? No. <laughs> Can I get baby piranhas? No. Okay. Shot in Rome, Italy, and on Grand Cayman, the film gave Cameron the opportunity to become director for a major film at uh, for the first time. Yeah, it's a bright place, right time. It's very first. I had friends in college that this they love this movie. They every like four months they would sit down and get really drunk and watch Piranha Two. They didn't. What about Piranha One? 
No, they liked Piranha 2. Piranha 1 was crap. But. Okay. <laughs> I mean, according to them, I didn't. All right, the Piranha crew. The uh, Piranha 2 crew. Sorry. <laughs> Cameron later said he did not feel like his first film due to power struggles with the producer. He was still fighting with him. It's just Cameron said whatever. Yeah, because they – look, man, it's – it is. Uh, it's a it Roger Corman movie. Working on a whatever. Roger yeah, I mean, everybody should work on a Roger Corman movie. Yeah. Upon release of Piranha Two: The Spawning, critics were not impressed. Author Tim Healy called it a marvelously bad movie, which splices cliches from every conceivable source. Yeah, I mean, it's not a good movie. Uh, no. At the end of the day, it, there aren't really that many good Roger Corman movies, <laughs> and good is relative. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, they definitely, the friends of mine were not watching it because it was a good movie. Oh, it was Academy Award yeah. material. In Rome, Italy, during the release of Piranha 2 The Spawning, Cameron fell ill and had a dream about a metallic torso holding kitchen knives dragging itself from an explosion. I had a dream <laughs> last night. Inspired by director John Carpenter, who had made the slasher film Halloween on a low budget, Cameron used the dream as a launching pad to write a slasher-style film. All right. Cameron's Make your dreams come true, baby. <laughs> Cameron's agent disliked the early concept of the horror film and requested that he work on something else. No. no. Uh, you should work on something else. Cameron then fired his agent. What? <laughs> no. uh, Sandwiches. <laughs> Cameron returned to Pomona, California, and stayed at the home of science fiction writer Randall Frakes, where he wrote the draft for The Terminator. Is he related to Jonathan Frakes? Is that his dad? I don't think so. Mm. Uh, Cameron's influences included 1950s science fiction films, the 1960s fantasy television series The Outer Limits, and contemporary films such as The Driver and Mad Max 2. Yeah. What's The Driver? Uh, it was a movie from the late 70s. Oh, okay. Years. No, I remember yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. To translate the draft into a script, Cameron enlisted his friend Bill Wisher, who had a similar approach to storytelling. Cameron gave Wisher scenes involving Sarah Connor and the police department to write. Write these. <laughs> Frakes and Wisher would later write the U.S. released novelization of the movie. Yeah, that was a good one. Did you ever read it? No. <laughs> really delves deep into the character of Ginger. Oh, okay. Yeah. Great. The initial outline of the script involved two Terminators being sent to the past. The first was similar to the Terminator in the film, while the second was made of liquid metal and could not be destroyed with conventional weaponry. Oh, that sounds like... That sounds weird, because what, are there two Terminators now going after the same... Uh, you know, the, it's, a, it's a computer. They're, making, they're hedging their bets. Well, I'm just saying, is it a competition movie now instead of... I saving Sarah. My guess is that they probably destroyed the first one, and then suddenly the liquid guy shows up. All right, I, Maybe I, you should have written it. I don't. <laughs> well, I have a copy of the original draft. Oh, nice. uh, yeah, Cameron felt that the technology at the time was unable to create the liquid Terminator and shelved the idea until the appearance of the T one thousand character in T two Judgment Day in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, which as we said, he worked out on the abyss. Yeah, he did. He did. Galen Hurd, who had worked at New World Pictures as Roger Corman's assistant, showed interest in the project. This looks interesting. <laughs> Cameron sold the rights for the Terminator to Hurd for one dollar with the promise that she would produce it only if Cameron was to direct it. Uh, okay. I mean, I, people make a lot of dumb decisions when they're young and hungry. He ended up regretting the decision to sell the rights for a dollar. Yeah. Hurd uh, suggested edits to the script and took a screenwriting credit in the film, though Cameron stated that she... Did no actual writing at all. Cameron Heard were friends, or sorry, Cameron Heard had friends who worked with Corman previously and who were working at Orion Pictures. Orion agreed to distribute the film if Cameron could get financial backing elsewhere. 
No, we'll put it up. We ain't paying for it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The script was picked up by John Daly, chairman and president of Hemdale Film Corporation. Daly and his executive vice president and head of production, Derek Gibson, became executive producers of the project. Hemdale was pretty big for a while. It was, yeah. Uh, Cameron wanted his pitch for Daly to finalize the deal and had his friend Lance Henriksen show up to the meeting early, dressed and acting like the Terminator. That's all he did. Dum, 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 dum. What are you doing, sir? Dum, 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 dum. Uh, Henriksen, wearing a leather jacket, fake cuts on his face, and gold foil on his teeth, kicked open the door to the office and then sat in a chair. Bow! <laughs> Cameron arrived shortly thereafter and then relieved the staff from Henriksen's act. Yeah, it was just an act. It got, their impre- I mean, got the impression across. Uh, Daly was impressed by the screenplay and Cameron's sketches and passion for the film. These... These... Uh, I'm not going to say tall tales or... Whatever. I mean, these stories are what keep idiots doing idiotic things. I know. I oh, know. well, he went in his Terminator. I'm going to go in his... Okay, yeah. people. Mostly, they don't like this. They don't like I, no. these kind of gimmicks. No. And especially now. Maybe back then, uh, gimmicks I, worked. Yeah. Everybody was drunk and on cocaine. <laughs> but now... It's like him walking in and to the producers and doing the alien thing and then turning the adding an S and putting a dollar sign on. <laughs> really? Did he really do that? And they go, yeah, here's a million dollars. Let's do it. Well, he had proven himself by that. Yeah. Well, I know, but still. I mean, yeah. I guess Cameron is the king of goofy, embarrassing I, pitches. Made a career out of it. Uh, in late 1982, Daly agreed to back the film with the help from HBO and Orion. Uh, the Terminator was originally budgeted at $4 million and later raised to $6.5 million. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they cast Arnie uh, as the Terminator. Wow. Uh, they actually originally went in for Kyle Reese. Uh, for the role of Kyle Reese, Orion wanted the star. Who's okay. Popularity. Sorry, I just thought you were going to say something. No. For the role of Kyle Reese, Orion wanted a star whose popularity was rising in the United States, but who also would have f- strong foreign appeal. Okay. Orion co-founder Mike Metavoy had met Arnold Schwarzenegger and sent his agent the script for The Terminator. Cameron was uncertain about casting Sch- Schwarzenegger as Reese, as he felt that he would need someone even more famous to play The Terminator. Yeah, probably. Uh, at this point, Arnold had starred as the title character in Conan the Barbarian in 1982, which was a huge box office success. That was a big movie. Big movie. Uh, he was also in the highly anticipated sequel, Conan the Destroyer, which came out in the summer of 1984. Uh, that was a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, it did not. <laughs> I did not have very good leadership capabilities. On that film. <laughs> uh, Sylvester Stallone and Mel Gibson both turned down the Terminator role. Could you imagine? He's going to try to kill me, you live. He's the Terminator. He's going to shoot you. I'll be back. There was, uh, do you remember in The Last Action Hero when they show in, they show yeah. up in, the, in the, the video store and it's Sly is the Terminator. Yes. It's the, the cover of T2, yeah. but it's Sylvester's so good. It is great. Yeah. Uh, the studio suggested O.J. Simpson, but Cameron did not feel that Simpson at that time would be believable as a killer. <laughs> oh. Wah, wah. I'm the juice. Well, I showed him. <laughs> That's why he did it. He, pro- he was proving. Like, I'll show Cameron. <laughs> He's really bitter about that for years and years, <laughs> apparently. Uh, Cameron agreed to meet with Schwarzenegger and devised a plan to avoid casting him. He would pick a fight with him and return to Hemdale and find him unfit for the role. Cameron is a weirdo. Uh, he's definitely a weirdo because all the talk about, I didn't mention this earlier, but all the talk about him, like Gillian Hurd didn't write anything. Yeah, they were married for like five years. And when they got divorced, he just became a dick about it. You know, when you're a director, there is a certain, uh, I don't know, cachet or something. With Je ne sais quoi. Well, it's easy to 
romance your actors when you're oh, the yeah. director. Yeah. And, you know, and it's I've I've done it. I find it to be a little unsavory, but you know, whatever. Yeah, go ahead, yeah. marry Cameron for a couple of years and get fifty million bucks out of it. It's uh, it's not wow, a bad yeah. investment. <laughs> Got to put up with that guy. He just I, I he's a genius. He just does not seem like somebody I'd ever want to hang out with. My friend Sean, uh, he used to be a DP, and he worked on this film. It was I forget this actress's first directorial debut. Okay, but and I forget who it was. Was but. Uh, James Cameron was in it. Um, Robert Downey Jr. was in it. Uh, Octavia Spencer was in it. And this was before Octavia Spencer was yeah. really big. But it had all these big actors, this short film. And oh, okay. it was okay. really bad. But uh, <laughs> but it was just like it had all these huge actors in it. And he said, <laughs> he said working with James Cameron was a little bit tough. Because it was hard for him to shut the F up <laughs> and let the director direct. Yeah. Him. That one does not surprise me. That does not surprise me at all. Yeah. He, she should have listened. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, funny enough, even though he didn't want to cast him, Cameron was very entertained by Schwarzenegger, who would talk about how the villain should be played. I should be played uh, as a guy who's like, I'll, I'll be back. And he says things that could go on T-shirts. And he smokes cigars. So Cameron began sketching his face on a notepad and then asked Schwarzenegger to stop talking and remain still. Stop talking. Are you drawing me like one of your French girls, <laughs> James? After the meeting, Cameron returned to Daly, saying Schwarzenegger would not play Reese, but that... He'd make a hell of a Terminator. Schwarzenegger was not as excited by the film. Oh, was disappointing. Uh, during an interview on the set of Conan the Destroyer, an interviewer asked him about a pair of shoes he had, which belonged to the wardrobe for the Terminator. Schwarzenegger responded, Oh, some shit movie I'm doing. Take a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> way, to, way to sell it, buddy. Yeah. I thought you were supposed to be like a great salesman. Yeah. Wow, it's garbage. He recounted in his memoir, Total Recall, that he was initially hesitant, but thought he w- that playing a robot in a contemporary film would be a challenging change of pace yes. from Conan the Barbarian, and that the film was low prof- profile enough that it would not damage his career if it were unsuccessful. That's a good... Look, Arnold is a smart, smart, smart oh, yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, that guy was a millionaire before he even... Set foot in Hollywood. He's yeah. there was a big earthquake when he first moved to Hollywood, and he and his brother, I think, or I think it was his brother, started a bricklaying business. Oh wow! To help rebuild to during rebuild the earthquake stuff, yeah. because he saw the need and became right. super rich from that. Wow! Super rich from bodybuilding. The guy, yeah, he has a work ethic like no other human being on the planet. Oh I yeah, mean, maybe yeah. it's being Austrian from my father. <laughs> um, but yeah, he that guy. You know, people make fun of him. I make fun of him a lot. But the guy is smart as oh, yeah. F. And he knows exactly who he is. And more than any other movie star that I can think of, and we talked about this before, I think he truly loves being a movie star. Yeah, yeah. And he revels in it, and he never complains, and he's never no, like, no. oh, this is awful. He's just, he loves the fans. He loves, it. he seems like a guy who just loves being alive. The, right. the videos of him with his donkey and, oh, and yeah, little yeah. mini horse, and he's feeding them. Oh, they love the treats. Come yeah. on, get your treats. He's, uh, yeah, he's so positive all the time. He just seems like a fascinating guy. I would love to have dinner with him. Yeah. I would, you know, he's, a, he's somebody who there's a lot of people I don't want to hear their stories. Yeah. But yeah. that guy can tell a story. Oh, I just yeah. would love to sit in his court while he's smoking a big fat 
effing cigar <laughs> with his horse and his donkey next to him, just telling stories about, you know, being a bodybuilder in the 70s. I don't know. I just, I, I've always found Arnold fascinating because yeah. everything about him screams you're not going to be the biggest movie star in the world. Right, right. You have a weird accent. You're a giant dude. Yeah. You look like an Aryan it poster child. Doesn't seem like you can act. Yes. But he da- but he can. It doesn't matter. He's just bigger than everything. He's bigger than yeah. life. He is a true movie star. Yeah. And there's yeah. very few. Rock is trying to be him. Rock will never be Arnold. Because he no. just doesn't have what Arnold had. You can tell... I don't know. I just, to me, The Rock, everything seems kind of manufactured and like his whole, oh, my first time at In-N-Out eight times. You know, it's just all meant to create this persona of him. Right. Where I think that Arnold is just so big that his persona takes over everything. And that's just who he is. He's just genuine. He's very genuine. And that's why people love him. Because it's just, he just seems like, F it, you know? Yeah. F it. Just have, you know, and it's just, I'm sure it's a part of a put on or whatever, a part of his personality. But I also yeah. think that there's a lot of truth to it. No, I, yeah, yeah, I, 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 totally. In, in a later interview with GQ magazine, he admitted that he and the studio regarded it as just another B action movie since... The year before it came out, Exterminator. Now it was the Terminator. And what else is going to be next type of thing? It was only when he saw 20 minutes of the first edit did he realize that... Aha, this is really intense. This is wild. I don't know if I've ever, I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this before. And he realized that... <laughs> this is going to be bigger than we all think. I think this is... I think this moment... I think this movie is what made him realize that he shouldn't talk crap about the movies he's working on. Yes. Like, I, find the positive in everything. Because he thought this was just going to be a throwaway. And then he's, uh, oh, oh. It was humbling, is, I yeah. think, Yeah, him. And it, it helped some... You're right. I think it helped him become more of a cheerleader and less... That's the thing, is Arnold is a big, self-centered guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he doesn't seem like that. He seems like he's all for, you know... He does, But he wants you to succeed. He wants... Well, there's that great... When I said leadership capabilities, there's this great story, uh, Bill Hader. Bill Hader was a PA for a lot of years. Yeah, yeah. And I think he was working on some Arnold movie. And uh, Arnold comes in. He's like, well, so-and-so. And uh, and Bill Hader's like, oh, yeah, I'll go find him. He's like, do it. Show me your leadership capabilities. <laughs> and <laughs> and that's the, it's just yeah. a PA. And it's yeah. like, you know. Yeah, it's a little arrogant or whatever, but it's also he's paying attention to him and he's giving him a shot. He's he's yeah. telling him, "Hey, you work hard. Yeah, I'll notice it, and you'll bump up." Right? It's like right. he appreciates hard work. He appreciates yes. people doing their jobs yes. right, and and he gets the game of Hollywood better than anybody else. I think this is why he's a huge supporter of like the Special Olympics. Yeah, because it doesn't matter who you are, as long as you work hard and try. You have succeeded. Yes. And he's all about fitness and he's all about inclusion. And even though he's a Republican and right wing. More conservative, yeah. Anybody who makes over a million dollars becomes a conservative <laughs> in Hollywood. But uh, yeah, it's just, it's hard to not like Arnold. Exactly. He, exactly. And he, there's a lot of things to die. You know, he did have a baby with his maid. He did do things that aren't are yeah. very unsavory. He, he hasn't always been the nicest, greatest guy in the world. But he... As a movie star, he's one of the best. Oh, yeah. yeah. One of the best that ever was. Totally, totally. So for, to prepare for the role, he spent three months training with weapons to be able to use them and feel comfortable around them. He did a great job, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because uh, firing an Uzi one-handed. And, oh, and, and that, that, like, eight 
AK-47 thing or whatever that had, like, the, no stock on it. Like, that's hard. Mm-hmm. Like, that, these things are heavy. Yeah. And, and he's just one-handed, like, bang, bang, bang. Well, I'm like, sure they were probably a lot of uh, rubber prop guns, too. But Yeah, but I mean, yeah, but he was... But he, yeah. yeah, he never looked awkward or weird. It was very... I never once lost my belief that he was the Terminator. No, 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 no. He, he, he was the Terminator. He was perfect. From the first second he showed up all naked. <laughs> uh, Schwarzenegger speaks only 17 lines in the film and fewer than 100 words. Cameron said that... Somehow even his accent worked. It was a strange synthesized quality. Like they hadn't gotten the voice thing quite worked out. And then nobody ever heard from Schwarzenegger again. Nope, that was it. Yeah. Womp, womp. <laughs> Mike, uh, O.J. Simpson became a huge star. But. <laughs> the cast Michael Bean is Kyle Reese. I didn't go much deeper into Schwarzenegger because I'm sure that we will be covering him in many other movies. Well, we're doing a month. Yeah. He yeah. deserves a month. Can't wait till we cover Twins. I love Twins. You don't <laughs> like it. What? I thought you said you hated no, Twins. No, I love Twins. Twins is a great movie. Oh, Okay. No, I like. I don't. I don't think there's any Schwarzenegger. Oh no, 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 no! Movie. It wasn't twins. You don't like uh, where he becomes pregnant, Junior. Oh no, that is not a good movie. I like Junior. <laughs> Sorry, yes, there is one movie. I do I not have a like. baby in my belly. <laughs> I, granted, Ow. I've only seen it once. I need to see it again. I'm going to label Twins with Danny DeVito is brilliant. Well, yeah. it is, but I'll, Danny DeVito is also in Junior. Yeah. Well, yeah. They recreate yeah. the magic. Yeah. Do they? Do they? They do. <laughs> <laughs> so the cast Michael Bean is Kyle Reese. Bean Bean. The Bean, the bean, bean. Machine. Uh, various other actors were suggested for the role of Reese, including rock musician Sting. Okay. Well, Sting was acting back then. He was in he was. Dune. He was in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, he was trying to, to act. Uh, Cameron met with Sting, but he was not interested as Cameron was too much of an unknown director at the time. Uh, no. No, thank you. Talk about bad choices. Yeah. <laughs> I have tantris to do. Yeah. Uh, others who were considered for Reese included... Christopher Reeve, Matt Dillon, Kurt Russell, Treat Williams, Tommy Lee Jones, Scott Glenn, Michael O'Keefe, and Bruce Springsteen. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, hey, you gotta come with me, because it's Terminator after you. Come on, let's go down to Thunder Road! <laughs> I, was, I was born in the USA. I was born in the USA. Yeah. Come on, I'll save you. Oh, God, that would have been... Oh, my God. Awful. Awful. I, I, I know I'm in the minority on this, but I am not a fan of Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. The hell to me would be going to one of his shows where he plays four and a half hours. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I 100% agree with you. Uh, I would have, Christopher Reeve would have been too big. I think he's too big at the time. Matt Dillon yes. would have been okay. Matt Dillon would have been too young. That's true. At that time, yeah. Kurt Russell would have been okay. Great. He would have been great. Kurt uh, Russell is always great. He would yeah, been, he would have, yes. He would have made it his own, and he would have been awesome. And, uh, and Kurt Russell in the 80s is the best Kurt Russell. Oh, he would, yes. He would have been good. Yeah. Uh, Treat Williams, sure. Yeah, I mean, Treat Williams is kind of the low-rent Kurt Russell. I mean, he just kind of showed up. <laughs> he was in hair. He was in, he just kind of was in stuff. It's so not a bad actor, a good actor, but just not quite what Hollywood wanted. We had some friends over on New Year's Day, and literally one of them didn't realize that Treat Williams died last year. Oh, no. Apparently you didn't either. No, I didn't. And then literally everyone else in the room except for me goes, who's Treat Williams? Oh. I was like, no, that's sad. I was like, he was just in stuff. I couldn't name one thing he'd actually been in. He was good, though. He was a solid character actor, yeah. but yeah. they tried to make him a star, and it just didn't yeah. work. Uh, and I, Tommy Lee Jones, I don't know. Tommy Lee Jones would have been great. Tommy mm. Lee Jones was young back then. What, was, what else did he, was he in around that time? 
Uh, well, he was in Rich Man, Poor Man. He was the star. I just don't know if I saw him in anything at that time. He was good, man. He was really good and young, and and yeah, he would have he would have been he would have been good. Great. Okay, yeah. all right. Uh, and I did, Scott Glenn, and Michael O'Keefe. I could not pick them out of a lineup. Scott Glenn was in uh, Aliens as the commander. Oh, oh okay, he was yeah. also yeah. in uh, Silence of the Lambs as yes. the head of the FBI. Right. He would have been great too. Yeah, he's he he's great. one of those actors that I just love. He just yeah. is a solid, solid dude. Is it because of his dad, John Glenn? Yes, <laughs> it is. <laughs> so he played John Glenn out of oh, did he? I don't know. That would have been great. Uh, out of all those people, uh, Cameron d- ignored all of them and chose Michael Bean. Uh, Bean, who had recently seen Taxi Driver and had aspirations about acting alongside the likes of Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, and Robert Redford, was originally skeptical, feeling the film was silly. Yeah, well, you know what was silly, Michael? Your career. <laughs> After the Terminator <laughs> and Aliens. After meeting with Cameron, Bean changed his mind. Heard stated that... Almost everyone else who came in from the audition was so tough that you just never believed that there was going to be this human connection between Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese. They have very little time to fall in love. A lot of people came in and just could not pull it off. Yeah, I, I think the he was vulnerable yeah. like it didn't seem like he was the guy you would send back in time to save somebody he was doing his duty yeah he was he played living in that horrible future really well like the yeah yeah all of the ptsd all of the oh yeah the one thing i would have liked to see a little bit more of from his character was the fascination from the past you mm-hmm. know, being able to take a shower, being able to eat food, being you know yeah. having things plentiful. Kind of, yeah, I agree. I, I get agree. it. You got to move the story along. But yeah. it would have been just a couple of little things, maybe at a diner or them, you know them in the shower together. Sure. You know, it's like him just being like, it's running water. Hey. Yeah. Or like you know, being in the shower for twenty, thirty minutes or <laughs> yeah. whatever. But yeah, that was the only thing I think missing from. And it's not his fault. It's it's no. the writing. But I think yeah, that would have rounded it out even more. But, but even I, saying that. His performance was really well-rounded. I think he is believable enough that he had a mission, and he was like, I have to do this. And everything else was just kind of by the wayside. He's very good at playing military guys Mm -hmm. that have a soul. You know, like a military guy who's good at what he does but isn't an a-hole. Right. He reminds me a lot of our friend uh, Travis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's got that same kind of vibe in in the movie. Michael Bean himself is... (laughs) <laughs> not the nicest guy in the world would have heard. But in this movie, he's just got, you're, like you said, a vulnerability that makes you care about the character and makes it believable that they get together. Yes. You know? yes. And also, in those, those crazy adrenaline-fueled situations, a lot of times people do yeah. couple up. And, oh, yeah. You know. Yeah. No, it's, and, and he was in love with her. Like, he fell in love with her from a picture. And yeah, a little gross. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> but, Stalker, but really. she started it. She technically, like, he was he was still doing his duty and, you know, trying to, to do his thing. But doing he, my duty! But he actually did, and I don't remember where, when they said it in, the, in this movie, but he did volunteer yeah. to be sent back. Uh, although in later movies they changed that to being that John sends him back. He orders him to go back. Yeah, but does... It, do, it does. It's, it's weird because at the end she's doing the tape and... She's like, am I going to tell you about your father? Well, probably I will. Yeah. But does that mean that that when she sees Reese, because she's definitely going to see Reese. Like later? You yeah. mean like, like, I assume she was dead by that point. I don't think so. 
I mean, I, d- I just assumed that in the 2029, by that point, she was gone. How, though? I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, I mean, there was a seems... nuclear apocalypse. I but don't she know. had to survive the nuclear apocalypse so the baby could survive. Yeah. So the kids could survive. Yeah, I, yeah, but by that point, maybe she had built up a, a part of the resistance. Maybe she was part of the resistance and all well, that. I think she's the head of the resistance. She's the one who starts the resistance. I mean, we, they, they well, make that pretty. You, you really want to bake your noodle? Uh, the only reason she names the kid John is because Kyle mentions John right. from the future. Ooh, ooh, yikes. I mean, it's not. It's like the whole thing is a weird time paradox. And it, Well, what's funny is we were watching it yesterday, and, and we kind of started going down that rabbit hole. And I said, you know, man. <laughs> When it comes to time travel movies, no. you got to turn your brain off. It, the more you think about it, the more it'll drive you crazy because of all the paradoxes. And there's not really any time travel movies that have solved that. No, because in time travel movies, everything is correct and everything is wrong at the same time. It's so crazy. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it, it works in the ter- – this is part of the reason I love this franchise because it works. Mm-hmm. It, it totally – in later movies, it implodes upon itself. Yeah. But uh, – but it's it's interesting. You yes, know? I love those weird time loops. Like I'm, a I big love fan them too, it. and I'm a big fan of time travel movies. I just also because I'm really curious. I I don't care about like time travel to go back and change things in my yeah, life or whatever. Yeah. I think if there ever is time travel, I think what it's going to be is more of a mirror into a different. Like a multiverse kind of yeah, thing. Have, yeah. You know, how we yeah. have you know, 15 different strings, you know, or five, right, a billion right. different strings if you really want to go, you know, or every single Infinite piece. amount of strings. Because yeah. everybody's decision, blah, 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 blah. But I think the time, tra- time travel, and I'm doing the quotes, yeah. will be somehow will be able to see into those dimensions. Right. And be able to see backwards. You know, I can see backwards right. because that, that, there's a remnant, you know, there's just yeah, like seeing yeah. a star, you're seeing right, the, the star light from 10,000 years ago. Exactly. Or yeah. That I think is how we're going to kind of conquer time travel. I don't think we'll ever physically be able to go back in time. Right. But I think that we will be able to somehow monitor see, the past. See things. Yeah. yeah. But not necessarily the future. Interesting, but useless. <laughs> exactly. But I've been working on it in the okay. Gen X grabs. Great. Great. Uh, I'm pretty close. <laughs> I have a, I have a, a, a almost working prototype. There's, I could, we, I, I'm not going to because it'd be a huge speed bump, but we could go into all the various theories of time travel and how the Terminator franchise literally ex- exemplifies all of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because theoretically, the movie is about it changing the future. Right. Which it does. But in T2, it doesn't. Turns out it doesn't. You can't change the future. It's inevitable. But it pushes it back, right? Yeah. It just kind of delays delays it. I mean, but but it's... Which is so weird because they had already won. I know. That's the thing I always forget is that technically the human resistance in the future had won. So the thing that they wouldn't be able to change would be that. But unfortunately, the thing that they can't change is the Terminator coming back and stopping it? Yeah. I, I don't know. But then in T2... You know, the only reason that Skynet exists is because the T-800 came back from the future. Right. He, he, Dyson finds the arm and finds the microchip, and it's in, oh, no way humans could invent this technology, so then he reverses engineers yep. it and creates Skynet. Exactly. So it all implodes it's a, upon it's, itself. It doesn't... It eats its... it's and a, that is why Cameron stopped making them after it's a, Ouroboros, is that what it's called? Ouroboros. Ouroboros. Yeah. It's the snake that eats itself. Yeah. I mean, and that's what's covered so well in Loki. Right. I, if you I, yeah. like time travel stuff like we do, yeah. Loki is one of the best examples of time travel. They do yeah. such a great job of, of 
delving into it and making it believable and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know it's still hogwash but <laughs> you know you put enough uh, you put enough technical terms in there and people believe anything that's true that is true all right just so look at the flux capacitor adam <laughs> another of my favorite movies <laughs> yes. I, yeah uh to get into reese's character bean studied the polish resistance movement in world war ii uh so he was he did his research yeah I don't know. He just seems kind of insufferable to me. I know, me. I know. It, 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 he seems kind of the, – the the quote from your script that hits me the most is he wanted to be De Niro uh, yes. Redford. He wanted – yeah, he, he wanted, wanted to be, be on that, that level. Actor. Yeah. And I get it. But a guy that wants to be that, that's working on things that aren't that, is going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah, agreed. I'm, too big. I'm too good we've, for this. We've worked with enough of those people. Oh, good God, man. <laughs> Uh, so Bean got his start in movies with a bit part in the film version of Greece in 1978. Uh, he appears in two scenes. Uh, the only scene that you can actually see him is when uh, he gets punched in the stomach by John Travolta when they're playing basketball. Nice. He's the guy that gets punched in the stomach. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, in 1981, Bean appeared in the role of Douglas Breen, a stalker in the 1981 film version of Bob Randall's novel The Fan, starring Lauren Bacall. That's not a bad movie. I don't think I've ever seen it. Uh, on television, Bean made a guest appearance on Hill Street Blues. Uh, Bean would go on to continue to work with Cameron. He appeared in Aliens in 1986 and was supposed to be in Alien 3, actually taking over the lead from Sigourney Weaver and William Gibson's script, but the script was rewritten and his character dies in the first scene. Yeah. That's another... I would love to have seen David Fincher directing William Gibson's script. William Gibson is a brilliant writer. Oh, yeah. And I, it would have been great. I just uh, don't think that... Yeah, I just don't think that... Uh, Michael Bean has the same charisma no. as Sigourney Weaver to carry no, the franchise. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, upon hearing this, Bean demanded his full salary instead of the reduced money he was now being offered, so they cut him from the script. I get it, though. Yeah. I, I totally get it, because you are gearing up to star in a film, and they give you the old woochie-wooch. Yeah, yeah, I can't course. imagine. Like, you're like, yeah, this is it. Like, I get to lead this awesome franchise, and then, oh, guess what? Yeah, especially after Aliens, which was just so... Big and, and bombastic, and yeah, you survived yeah. it, and you're one of the right. three people that survived. Right. And then they just completely negate that in Alien 3 and <laughs> make it all pointless. Yeah. Alien, uh, uh, aliens is pointless after it, Alien it, 3. It is. It is. Uh, he would also work on The Abyss with Cameron in 1989. Oh, yeah. Uh, he appeared in Tombstone as Johnny Ringo in 1993. Johnny Ringo. I honestly I'll be a Huckleberry. don't remember him in that movie at all. Oh, yeah. He was the one that was like, come on, Lunger. Hey, Lunger. I, I need to see it again. He was I, the one that fought uh, Val Kilmer. I'll be your Huckleberry. Oh, he was like, really? Oh, okay. Come on, Lunger. <laughs> and he called him Lunger. But he hit that G real hard. Lunger. Lunger. Uh, uh, he played a Navy SEAL in The Rock in 1996. Uh, while The Rock was most success, the most successful movie of Bean's career in terms of box office gross, it saw his billing and screen time diminished. And after that, he never landed a part in a big-budget Hollywood film. Makes me wonder. I just wonder. Because he... There's no reason why he shouldn't have kept working. I mean, he did keep working. I, he did in, keep working. He just in did low budget. Yeah. I think I heard that he had a substance issue. Oh, really? Might have been. Oh, that's possible. You know, and he had some issues with an ex-wife or something that was kind of. Oh yeah. That I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just I, saying. I, I, I think yeah, yeah. I'm not 100 percent sure. This is what I hear. This is what I've heard. A lot of with Michael Bean is he didn't really want to be a star. He wasn't. He didn't like playing the Hollywood game. He didn't. I think. He, Going back to him wanting to be more of an actor, yeah, I get that. But he also he did have some substance problems, and he hit rock bottom, and 
he was very self-destructive. And I think he had a stroke. Oh, wow. And then he kind of got his ass together. And now he's kind of back to, you know. Yeah. But just like everybody, he had his, his demons and sure. his picadillos. Sure. But, yeah, I mean, he, uh, he, everybody was like, why wasn't he a bigger star? But I think a lot of it had to do with him kind of being more of an artiste. Yeah, it does. It didn't seem like he was willing to to not like he wanted to be the star at the very beginning, right? And he didn't have he didn't want to work up to that. And he wanted to be, be an actor. He didn't yeah. want to be a movie star. He didn't want to you know he wanted to do more like the Godfather rather yeah. than the Terminator. So along with appearing in low budget action films, he starred in three TV series, including the CBS drama The Magnificent Seven from '98 to 2000, the syndicated TV series Adventure Inc. in 2002, and the NBC TV series Hawaii in 2004. Uh, all three shows were canceled because of low ratings. No. Uh, he was actually considered to portray Colonel Miles Quaritch, the main antagonist of James Cameron's science fiction epic film Avatar, but Cameron felt his appearance in the film, coupled with that of Weaver, would remind people too much of Aliens, yeah. so he cast Stephen Lang instead. Which, Stephen Lang is, is an amazing actor. Oh, he was fantastic and, in, uh, in the Avatar yeah, movie. I, I, no disrespect to Michael Bean, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. guy is ridiculous. Um, yeah, he he is the villain. <laughs> what was that movie that he played the blind guy where they was Stephen Collector? Lang? Yeah, where they came in to his, they broke into his house and he just annihilated everybody. And I, he know, was, I don't it was Such a good movie, such a good movie. He's so good. But yeah, uh, he's, Stephen Lang's great. I think that was just a nice way of him because I don't think people would have cared. No, no. You know, Aliens no. was so far. No. Removed from yeah yeah I agree I agree I just think he was being nice uh, he, he, but maybe Michael had gone through his yeah his bo- rock bottom by then and then yeah. been back on top because I guess he must have been doing okay because when when Blomkamp was talking about making his Alien movie which looked amazing yeah which was like a direct sequel to two I think yeah uh, Bean was going to come back right right but. Uh, that didn't happen, which is sad because it looked really fun. Uh, so he directed the 2010 film The Blood Bond. Uh, in 2011, he wrote, directed, and starred in The Victim. Okay. In 2020, Bean was cast as the villain Lang in the second season of the Star Wars television series The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, in 2022, he portrayed Ian in the 11th season of the AMC horror series The Walking Dead. Okay. Didn't see that. And he most recently appeared in an episode of Law & Order Organized Crime. Okay. So he's he's working good. You know, I mean, he seems like he's gotten out of the. Maybe this is his third act, his renaissance. Yes. And that's what I love. Yeah, everybody has a chance to fall into despair. We all have, yeah. and when people come out of it and they create a positive third act for themselves, I'm I'm a hundred percent on his side. You know, I want yeah. him to succeed. Of course, yeah, yeah. Uh, Linda Hamilton was cast as Sarah Connor. Are you Sarah Connor? <laughs> In the first pages of the script, Sarah Connor is described as... 19, small and delicate features, pretty in a flawed, accessible way. She doesn't stop the party when she walks in, but you'd like to get to know her. She's, her vulnerable quality masks a strength that she doesn't even know exists. So the manic pixie uh, dream girl... Yeah. Yeah, well, there's and James Cameron. That's why he ended up marrying her. <laughs> Ten years later. Yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee, Melissa Sue Anderson, and Jessica Harper were considered for the role of Sarah Connor. Jason Lee would have been great. Yeah. Roseanne Arquette and Leah Thompson also auditioned for the role. Too young. Yeah. Cameron cast Linda Hamilton, who had just finished filming Children of the Corn. Uh, Hamilton made her professional acting debut at age 23 with a small part in the 1979 drama Night Flowers. Night Flowers. Uh, by the way, Children of the Corn... That's a good guilty pleasure. I like the original. Oh it's such not a good movie, but no. it is so fun to watch. Yeah. The best part about it is when they're driving 
the <laughs> Stephen King book, Different Seasons, is on the Oh yeah, yeah. On the dash. Her first major role came the following year when she appeared as Lisa Rogers between December of 1980 and January of 1981 on the primetime CBS soap opera Secrets of Midland Heights. Secrets of Midland Heights. Everybody remembers Secrets of Midland Heights. So many secrets in Midland Heights. (laughs) (laughs) She appeared in her first starring film role in the low-budget thriller Tag, The Assassination Game in 1982, also starring Robert Carradine. And co-starred that same year in the made-for-television movie Country Gold. So weird. Tag is really close to that. There's a movie called Gotcha where Anthony Edwards is – there was this weird, like, yeah, yeah. shooting uh, fake gun kind yeah, of yeah. Uh, genre that went on <laughs> in the thing. And in Gotcha, he's, like, playing this fake shooting up, shoot-em-up game. Yeah. And then he goes to uh, Europe and – Meets Linda Fiorentino and gets into some sort of adventure. But I wonder if this is uh, similar to that. Probably. Probably. Uh, she was listed as one of 12 promising new actors of 1982 in John A. Willis's Screen World, Volume 34. Yes. I have Volumes 1 through 40. And then I stopped. <laughs> Children of the Corn, based on the Stephen King short story, was a financial success, making $14 million off a $3 million budget. Oh, yeah. Uh, even though it was lambasted by critics, Hamilton was routinely picked out as a bright spot in the movie. Well, there wasn't too many of those, so (laughs) it was like her and uh, uh, I remember the guy. Well, uh, that little weird kid. Oh yeah, was it the oh? And then Courtney Gaines. Courtney Gaines. Yeah, he was a uh, he used to do he was he was a musical guest. He ran in our circles for a little bit. Yeah, Yeah. he used to do uh, he used to be a musical guest for our for my old comedy group, the Chups. He would he was he's a really nice guy, great guy, great singer, and he's been showing up and stuff too I, lately. Every time I see him, I'm like, hey, it's Courtney Gaines. Good to see him. He was, he kind of was freakish looking a bit yeah. as a young man. He had a extreme. weird growth period. Yeah. And then now he's just a, a regular dude and he's, it's oh, really he's, great to see him show up. And stuff. He's so good in the burbs. Oh my God. He's just so, so good. good. Yeah. And it's also really awesome when somebody that talented and, and, uh, Somebody that talented is also nice. Yeah. And is yeah. also a good person. He's kind. Yeah. yeah. Is a good person. And he was a really great person when I knew him. Uh, Hamilton would star in King Kong Lives in 1986, the sequel to the live action King Kong remake from 1976. Yeah. Who remembers that, by the way? Uh, yeah. The movie was panned. I didn't even realize that was a movie. Uh, Me either. Uh, Hamilton found more success in the TV show Beauty and the Beast in 1987, a modern retelling that ran for three seasons. Oh, yeah. With uh, Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Ron uh, the Beast. Uh, my neighbor, uh, who, who was, anyway, I'm not going to, she was her favorite show. She was deve- developmentally disabled. <laughs> so you're but saying that her, only people that are developmentally disabled can like Beauty and the Beast? She was obsessed with that show. Uh, oh, I get it. Uh, she earned two Emmy Award nominations for her part in Beauty and the Beast. As much as I love Ron Perlman and her, I never saw an episode of that show. I, I, I watched some of it because of my neighbor, oh, but, nice. but I was like, man, it's like he lived in the sewers in New York and she was a lawyer. It was, it was weird. Okay. Um, she was asked to be written off the show in the third season when she became pregnant. Oh, yeah. she was asked to, or she asked to, she asked to, Oh, okay. she was like, look, I'm pregnant. This I, I'm not, you know, I need to be off the show. I'm out. Yeah. She would reprise the role of Sarah Connor in Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Hamilton permanently lost her hearing in one ear while filming the movie when Arnold shot off a shotgun in an elevator after she removed her earplugs. Oh, my bad. Sorry. Oops. (laughs) What? What did you say? (laughs) I said it was my bad. Oops. I just can't. That just sucks. She would reprise the role of Sarah Connor again in 2019's Terminator Dark Fate. Okay. 
which technically was a sequel to T2, and we'll talk about that more later. Uh, Hamilton will be seen in the upcoming fifth season of Stranger Things. Nice. Yeah, I'm excited about yeah, that. Yeah, they do a lot of nostalgia casting on that show. They do, they do. But good actors. I mean, she's great. Yeah, she's, she's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Paul Winfield as Ed Traxler, a police lieutenant who tries to protect Sarah. Get her on the phone. <laughs> he was so... I just... His relationship with Lance Henriksen in this movie is so phenomenal. Stop. He's just like, shut up. <laughs> just shut up. Just shut up. Just shut up. Uh, Give me a cigarette. And then he has a cigarette yeah, in his hand already. It's so great. Paul Winfield is one of those guys, too, when I was young, saw him in something and got an actor's crush. Yeah. And just yeah. everything he was in, I'm like, ah, oh, I love it. He's so good. He's such a great character actor. Uh, he's best known for his portrayal of a Louisiana sharecropper who struggles to support his family during the Great Depression in the landmark film Sounder in 1972, which earned him an Academy Award nomination. Yeah, it's a great movie. He portrayed Martin Luther King Jr. in the 1978 television miniseries King, for which he was nominated for an Emmy Award. He was great. Winfield was also known for his roles in Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Ooh, where he got an earwig in his ear. They put the, oh, the worm right. in his ear. He and, yeah. and, uh, and Chekhov. Mm. Oh, yeah. The whistle's coming. Get <laughs> the whistle. Uh, he was also in L.A. Law and 24 episodes of the sitcom 227. Yeah, 227. I Marla Gibbs. was weirdly obsessed with that show when I was growing up. Uh, it was a great show. Uh, I lo- it was really funny. He received four Emmy nominations overall, winning in 1995 for his 1994 guest role in Picket Fences. Yep. Uh, Winfield appeared in Presumed Innocent in 1990, starring Harrison Ford. Great movie. Which we talk talk about him more in that episode. Yeah. Listen to, whoa, 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 whoa. Listen whoa, whoa, whoa. to our <laughs> Presumed Innocent episode, yeah. if you want. Uh, he also made memorable appearances in The Serpent and the Rainbow in 1988, directed by Wes Craven. That is such a weird, great S- movie. Super bizarre movie. I've only seen it once. I need to see it again. I remember being scared out of my pants. <laughs> Bill Pullman, uh, I just, the one thing I do remember from that. Is there was all these zombies because there was like the yeah. voodoo, yeah. And I remember they he they put a spike through his penis, oh. you hammer a spike through his penis, and he's sitting in a chair. That's all you remember from that movie. It was traumatizing, man. <laughs> was I like, don't Lord. remember any of that, so I think maybe it was like put a nail through his. I, I was traumatized enough that yeah. I. Didn't. That movie is weird. It's I need to watch weird. it again. Yeah, I love Wes Craven, so I I, I need to see it again. Yeah, it's uh, a it's a weird one. Uh, Winfield was also in Cliffhanger in 1993, starring Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, it was on a cliff. This lady that fell made me really sad. And uh, in 1996, in Mars Attacks with Tim Burton. <laughs> he was so great in that movie. Oh, yeah, he, he was. was. ridiculous. He plays the comedy. This is what I love about him in this movie, is that he does a lot of comedy in it, even though it's not technically comedy. It's just his character yeah. is kind of befuddled and funny, and he's just, he always has, he always is just... The sign of an amazing character actor yeah. is there's always something going on. Right. There's right. Six, six different layers to his performance, and uh, that's why he's one of the best. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Winfield's final role was in a 2003 television movie remake of Sounder, where he played the teacher. Oh, I'm getting to play the teacher. <laughs> Winfield was gay, but remained discreet about it in the public eye. You know, when he was on Sounder, he just kept walking around going, you know, I won an Oscar for the original of this. You think you're going to win an Oscar for this? Or an Emmy? Maybe? No. Prior to realizing his sexuality, he had a relationship with his Sounder co-star Cicely Tyson for 18 months. Uh, His partner of 30 years, architect Charles Gillen Jr., died of bone cancer on March 5th, 2002. Uh, Winfield long battled obesity and diabetes. And on March 7th, 2004, he died of a heart attack in L.A. Yeah, again... Nothing breaks my heart more than yeah. somebody who can't live their truth. Yeah. And 
it's hard enough being a gay man in Hollywood back then, but yeah. being a gay black man oh, yeah. is even harder. And he went to great lengths to kind of hide that, and that's a lot of the reason why he got so big, you know, yeah. in your feelings. Well, and it, but the thing is, is that after he dated Cicely Tyson, like, he realized his sexuality, and then he was in a committed relationship yeah. for 30 years. Like, right, but it wasn't you know, out. I mean, No, I know, I know, to... I know. But at least he had that. I mean, at least he was, you know. He at least found, he had love. He found the person that he loved. Which is great, yeah. which yeah. is great. And there's a lot of people that deny themselves that yes. because of whatever. Yes. Yeah, because of societal reasons. Yes, or religious reasons or whatever. Yeah. Whatever BS reason it is that you can, yeah. whatever BS reason that you use to convince yourself that you're awful and hateable because of right. who you are. Yeah. That's really good. <laughs> Lance Henriksen was cast as Vukovic, a member of the LAPD. Uh, Cameron found a role for Lance Henri- Henriksen as Henriksen had been essential to finding finances for the film. You better give me a role, damn it. <laughs> Henriksen would uh, appear as the android Bishop in Cameron's Aliens in 1986. Yeah. He'd also appear as Bishop's unnamed designer in Alien 3. Right. And the robot of Bishop. She brings him back for a, yeah. a minute. Yeah. In Alien 3? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's the thing, yeah. Um, as well as Charles Bishop Whalen, the man upon whom Bishop was based in Alien vs. Predator in 2004. Yeah, he's the Bishop boy. He's Bishop. And then they essentially recast him as, with Guy Pierce in later movies. Yeah. Well, uh, I think Guy Pierce was his son or, or oh, his maybe it father was. or something. He was a relation. He was different. Yeah, okay. he was part of the, the family. Only seen those movies once, and I don't remember <laughs> the plot lines. N- neither do I. I just remembered. The only thing I remember of Prometheus is I is when Charlize Theron was in that. Was she that the one or was it the other one? <laughs> was she, oh, sorry, my, my initial thought was Charlize Theron was in an alien movie? She was with, with Michael Fassbender as the robot. Was that Charlize Theron? Yeah, she was one of the stars of one of those two movies. Okay. I don't remember which one. But all, all right. I remember is just the big, weird looking The guy clay dropping aliens, stuff over the dropping the goo. Waterfall, yeah. Dropping the goo, making the primordial stew. Yeah, that I, was the, I remember them going in to find something, but I, I honestly don't remember any of the actors. In the spaceship, there's a sign in, in their alien language, and then when translated, it says, uh, drop the goo, make the primordial stew. Okay. And that was their motto. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm glad you remember that part of the movie. It was the best part. <laughs> in 1987, he played the vampire leader Jesse Hooker in Catherine Bigelow's cult film Near Dark. That uh, wasn't bad. Was I love Near Dark. Uh, Henriksen continues to work, consistently appearing in dozens of movies and TV shows through the years. He most recently can be seen and heard on TV, appearing in an episode of Rabbit Hole, starring Kiefer Sutherland, and voicing Vanessa in a recent episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Oh God, he's so awesome. <laughs> I just love Lance, Lance Henriksen so much. He's just another one of those guys that yeah. whatever he's in, I, I've watched so many horrible B-movies just because he starred in yeah. them. Yeah, Because I just love his voice. I love his mannerisms. <laughs> I just think he is such a unique and interesting individual. I watching it when we were watching it yesterday, it was so weird watching him be subservient to Paul Winfield yeah. because I think of Lance Henriksen as being this like huge badass dude, yeah. and he's just constantly being cowed by Paul Winfield. This guy so who's great. befuddled, telling he's, bad oh, jokes. Right. He did a great job. Shut up! Yeah, he did such <laughs> a great job though. Uh, and unfortunately, they both get murdered by the Terminator. Yeah, I'll be back. Yeah. Oh. Don't want that. He murders all of the cops. It's horrible. We were counting down, you too, because they said, there's 30 cops here to protect you. So as he walked in, we're like, 29, 20, 27, 
26, 25, 24, 23, There was a room of five people. We don't yeah. see them. We assume they're all dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was so brutal. Such it's, a great scene, though. So oh, unexpected. So you, brutal. That is the brilliance of this movie, is it takes places where you think you're supposed to be safe, whether it's in yeah. the middle of a nightclub or in the middle of a police station. Yeah. And it just... Totally destroys that, and you're not safe anywhere. That no, the the Terminator is the Energizer Bunny, baby. That, it just keeps going and going and going to the point where it gets blown up, and it only it has one hand left, and it's it still stop. screeching trying to kill her. It's amazing. Kyle Reese in the the getting grilled or in the interrogation yeah. room, him looking right at the camera, going. He will find her and kill her. That is what he does. He won't stop. He won't stop until she's dead. That's literally all he does. And it, he was yeah. right. Yeah. And, it, and they proved that. It was it, it terrifying. Really, it is. Because there's so many horror movies or these types of movies where you kill the human. Right. I'm doing the quotes. Right. The human uh, antagonist. And then they come back to life and you're like, Pfft. You know, yeah, stupid. But this one totally makes sense because it's a robot, and it, it doesn't matter as long as it has that brain CPU. Yeah, it'll keep it'll going. keep going. You know, a little head rolling around trying to bite you. <laughs> I'm not biting you now. It's it's like a, a robot version of the knight in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, oh, that's I'll, true. I'll get you. I will bite your ankles. <laughs> uh, the Terminator also features Earl Bowen as Doctor Silberman, a criminal psychologist. I love him too. He's, He's so good. He was on everything. Yeah, he was usually played like a teacher or a doctor or some sort of yeah. professional. Uh, I think he's part of the reason that I like Terminator 3, because he was in T2, and T3 is the same character. I don't remember him um, in T3. It was the He was very short, but it was that moment when he's just like, I think he sees the Arnold Terminator, and he's just like, nope, I'm noping out of here. Like, <laughs> nope. <laughs> like, I'm done. Yeah, I, wasn't Claire... Claire Danes. Danes in yeah, that movie? Yeah, yeah. She, was, uh, she plays, in T3, she plays uh, John Connor's uh, wife. The future wife. Right. Uh, and then uh, who needs to be eliminated as well because they realize in the future that just killing John Connor is not going to do it. So they have to go back and find – this is what eventually becomes all the movies. The movies. The movies. It's, it's, uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk well, about they, it more. It's and, just – come on, man. It's complicated I enough. Know, you don't need to keep adding layers of <laughs> ridiculousness upon this trope. I know. I know. Uh, he did actually appear in, in Terminator Dark Fate in 2019 as well, but it was just archival footage. Oh, good. Uh, Bowen did a ton of voiceover work, appearing in dozens of Saturday morning cartoons and video games. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's got a very distinct voice. Yeah. Bowen retired from screen acting in 2003, but continued his work as a voice actor in radio, television, cartoons, and video games until 2017. Uh, unfortunately, he was diagnosed with lung cancer in the fall of 2022. Oh. And he passed away in Hawaii on January 5th, 2023, at the age of 81. Oh my god! Oh, I was like, that was only—that's like two days from now. Yeah, no, that's uh, last year, Jim. Did I tell you I'm from the future? Yeah, <laughs> I was sent back by Skynet. Ah, yeah. that's sad. But he, yeah, man, what but a he great had actor! A amazing career, amazing career. You totally recognize him. He's one of those oh, guys too. That's just you know, know the face, but not the name. <laughs> the, my one of my favorite parts in the Terminator is when he's just watching Kyle Reese go on about how the machine's going to murder everybody, and poor Sarah's just standing there, and finally Paul Winfield's like, "Come on, man." Oh, yep, Turn it off. Yeah, he's like, he's going to kill her. He's going to murder her no matter where she goes. There's no way. Just, and, and she's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> and Bowen's like, oh, oh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. My I bad. Just, my I was bad. just really into this. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, Bess Mata as Ginger, Sarah's roommate who the T-800 murders after mistaking her for Sarah. Oh, she loves that Walkman. 
Oh my god. Uh, Mata is best known for appearing in the Canadian TV show 20 Minute Workout. Okay. Yeah. I, she was great. Yeah, she was great in this. She had the largest hair I've ever seen. Well, I mean, come on. Uh, I mean, it was 1984. But Sarah Connell's hair was pretty big, too. Yeah, but still, did not hold a candle to, <laughs> to uh, Ginger. That was the 80s, baby. Yeah. Uh, Rick Rossovich is Matt, Ginger's boyfriend, whom the T-800 also murders. Rick Rossovich is an interesting guy. He, I don't know what about him didn't make him a star, but he he was also in Roxanne with Steve yeah. Martin yeah. as the foil, the one that Roxanne dates, right, you know, right, his right. buddy, uh, you know, the one who he, he helps. He feeds lines to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know the Cyrano de Bergerac. I don't know the name of the character. No, I should. No. Uh, Paul. But, we'll call him Paul. Paul. <laughs> But he was kind of in stuff, and he was a charming, yeah. funny guy. I mean, yeah. the scene with him talking dirty. Oh, it was great. It's so funny. And she plays it perfectly, she, they, they, and he plays yeah. it perfectly. It's so funny. He's just a charming, likable, big kind of goof guy. Yeah. And he played that so well. It's just he's just one of those guys that just kind of, I think, dipped into the bees and then just kind of, yeah. you know. I think the last big movie he was in was Top Gun. I, Top and, Gun, yeah, and that wasn't. I mean, he was a small part, but like, but he should have been bigger. Was I, he in the new Top Gun? No, no, no. This oh, was the, the, the eighty six. Right. He was uh, Val Kilmer's. Uh, I was going to say plane mate. No, his but, uh, his, uh, his navigator, navigator or whatever. Navi, yeah. Navi, yeah, yeah. 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 He uh, was writing checks. His, his butt couldn't cash at him. <laughs> uh, but you're right. I don't know why Rosovich wasn't a bigger star. I mm-hmm. let's get him on the phone. And talk Give to him. him a call. He looks good, though. I'm looking at a picture of him right now. Yeah. Uh, he, yeah. He looks I'm telling you, he's still acting. He's still doing stuff. I mean, uh, is he doing right-wing stuff? I, I hope not. He was in Navy SEALs, too, with uh, Michael Bean. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Dick Miller was uh, cast as the gun shop clerk. You might remember uh, Dick Miller from Gremlins and Gremlins 2. Oh, yeah. Dick Miller is another guy that just... As soon as you see his face, yeah. a thousand movies come to mind. He he was in almost everything that Roger Corman did. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. He, I'm sure that's where uh, Cameron met him. I was working with Corman. Uh, but he's great. Dick he's Miller's just great. good at playing kind of a weird dude. <laughs> hey, hey, you can't do that. You can't do that. Wow. <laughs> uh, yes, I can. <laughs> Wrong. Boom. <laughs> yeah, that is my favorite line. The line that I kept saying throughout the whole movie. Uh, I'll take the Uzi. I'll take the Uzi 9 millimeter. <laughs> it's just him going through guns was so funny. Take the plasma rifle at the 40 watt range. Uh, yeah, just really? anything with this the stuff that we have. Yeah. Uh, I'll take the 45 with the laser sighting. Uh, Bill Paxton and Brian Thompson were cast as punks when the Terminator confronts and kills. God, he looks so. Both of them look so young. And oh, yeah. The, the black. Stuff that they use to gap his teeth is so he bad. He has the. They try to make him look like it's a. I don't know why, because he didn't have that big of a gap. He already had a gap. They didn't need, it didn't to, need to be bigger. It. Yeah, it was super weird. He was just such a jerk too. Smashing his bottle on his right turn. Yeah, punks were really. Uh, those kind of punks were a, a lot of trouble back in Hollywood <laughs> back then. Hanging out up at the Griffith Observatory. All the punks hung out at the observatory. It's my turn to look at the, at the heavenly. Uh, Bodies. <laughs> we need to learn, man. Yeah. Uh, Bill Paxton's the only actor to be killed by a Terminator, an alien, and a Predator. Yes. Uh, and so beautifully by all of them. He, I miss him so much. <laughs> I he know. was such a great actor. Started off his career playing just a weirdo in weird science. Oh, and my God. He's so good in that. Aliens. Always just the, the off-putting 
goony goober. Yeah. But then people realized he's a really good actor, and when he yeah. got older, he got to play some really amazing parts. Frailty, <sighs> the movie I believe he directed, he directed yeah. Yeah. is a masterpiece. So good. It is such a great movie. The man was extremely talented, for all intents and purposes, a, a lovely human being. He seemed like somebody that really enjoyed the work he was doing. Loved it. Was great in Titanic. Was oh. great in oh, everything so he that. did, and was such a shame. Such a... A preventable death. Yeah, he too. should not have died. It's just such a freak death. accident yeah. on yeah. on a on a operating table. operating table. Yeah. It's just you never know. And it, we just we lost an incredible talent yeah. that day. It was I, I miss him so much. Yeah. Uh, Brian Thompson is a character actor that appeared in a ton of movies and TV shows, including Cobra with Sylvester Stallone. Uh, ready. Yeah. Uh, the ger- a German thug in Three Amigos. Yeah. Do you and, remember that? Yes, I do. He was <laughs> the guy that came into the bar. Yeah. He also was. He became the low-rent Arnold. He would yeah, show up. because he was a big dude. Had the same jawline, had the same kind of look yeah. you know, of him. wasn't as big. No, he wasn't. He wasn't a bodybuilder in that way. He but. did end up getting bigger after this yeah. movie to kind of lean into the yeah. fact that he was B-movie Schwarzenegger. But yeah. uh, he had a great career, just basically. Yeah, he, he did, had a great career. Being yeah. Arnold. Uh, movies. He was uh, the title role in the TV show Werewolf, which ran during Fox's inaugural season in 1987. Okay. Uh, he had a long character arc in the X-Files, if you remember him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, the alien hunter guy. Yeah. Like, yeah. He he's was, a good actor. He's, he's a great actor. He appeared in a number of Star Trek shows. Uh, he most recently can be seen in The Tragedy of Macbeth from Joel Cohen. Do you yeah. remember that little movie they shot during the pandemic? Mm-hmm. I didn't realize he was in that. I didn't see that. I didn't see it. It's either. the only Cohen brother movie I haven't seen. I totally forgot it existed. Now yeah, I'm going to watch yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and he was recently on an episode of NCIS Los Angeles. Okay. So he's still acting. He's Which still is there. great. Yeah. I love it. I mean, a, you know, a, a career. I love seeing a career uh, character actor that works until the day they die. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Filming for The Terminator was set to begin in early 1983 in Toronto, but was halted when producer Dino De Laurentiis applied an option in Schwarzenegger's contract that would make him unavailable for nine months while he was filming Conan the Destroyer. Ugh. Yeah, Dino De Laurentiis is kind of a dick. Well, I mean, ugh, for Conan the Destroyer. No, I know, I know. Uh, during the waiting period, Cameron was contracted to write the script for Rambo, First Blood Part Two. Uh, second Blood. <laughs> refined the Terminator script and met with producers David Geiler and Walter Hill to discuss the sequel to Alien, which became Aliens, released in 1986. Oh, yeah, man. So when he did the infamous whiteboard Aliens dollar sign. Okay, now, I, now I'm in. Oh. Oh, yeah. that means money. Yeah. Uh, there. Hey, <laughs> God. Look, that's the only way we... All we speak is money. I... I I mean, I understand that you got to really dumb it down to make you understand concepts. Well, we know when uh, George Lucas pitches Star Wars, the S in Star Wars, money sign. <laughs> money sign. That was why we did it. If you don't have an S in your movie, we won't make it. Just saying. <laughs> All right, thanks. Okay. It's thanks. Bob, by the way. Bye. Oh, right, 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 right. Got to go find my bye. kids. Okay. All right, bye. There was limited interference from Orion Pictures. Two suggestions Orion put forward included the addition of a canine android for Reese, which Cameron refused. And to strengthen the love interest between Sarah and Reese, which Cameron accepted. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, the canine robot would be stupid. It would look bad. He knew that it was like the special effects would be bad. Well, like, it just it would have been a dog. It just also, you got to have an animal in the whole movie, and animals yeah. are difficult to work yeah. with. He put uh, the, the trope about dogs being able to sniff out Terminators is great. Yeah. 
Yeah. To create the Terminator's look, Stan Winston and Cameron passed sketches back and forth, eventually deciding on a design nearly identical to Cameron's original drawing in Rome. Nice. Uh, Winston had a team of seven artists work for six months to create a Terminator puppet. Ugh, should have taken 12. <laughs> it, it's, was... it was early on in this kind of, kind of stuff. So, I mean, you know, uh, the sequences set in 2029 and the stop motion scenes were developed by Fantasy 2, a special effects company. Those were great. They, I mean, look, they great. look yeah. really, really tight today even. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a stop motion model is used in several scenes in the film involving the Terminator's skeletal frame. Yeah, you can totally tell. Oh, well, yeah. There's no escaping knowing that it's stop motion. It's just no. there's a there's something about it that you can't yeah. pass it off as, as no. regular. No, especially the scene when he's rushing towards the door yeah. and she goes to shut the door. The blue screen on her is so obvious. Yeah. But look, yeah. man, they were doing brand new stuff. This is, but it, at yeah. the time... Groundbreaking. Whatever. Yeah. Cameron wanted to convince the audience that the model of the structure was capable of doing what they saw Schwarzenegger doing. To allow this, a scene was filmed of Schwarzenegger injured and limping away. The limp made it easier for the model to imitate Schwarzenegger. Okay. Yeah. At the time the movie was made, diode lasers were not available. The, the thing on the top of the gun. Oh, give me a 45 <laughs> automatic with the laser scope sighting. Uh, because of the high power requirement, the helium neon laser in the sight used an external power supply that Schwarzenegger had to activate manually. So this is, uh, this is a case of Hollywood inventing something that then the gun manufacturers invented. Yeah. They were Crazy. like, hey, where can we, how can we do this and make it better? It is the beginning of the fetishization of guns. Yes. Before yes. that, the the only real recognizable gun was Dirty Harry's forty four Magnum. Yeah, usually guys just had little thirty eights that they popped yeah. off from the little, hip. Yeah, you know there wasn't any big nobody gave an f about guns. It was yeah. just like is it screen accurate? Is it is it historically accurate? Let's put it in. But then this movie, and subsequently uh, Cobra and Tango and Cash. And oh yeah, all those eighties action. Just movies. created these. Crazy guns, bigger, and better, badder. Yeah, yeah, and then everybody was like, "Well, I gotta have one." And I gotta, and now <laughs> everybody's got guns. <laughs> uh, in March 1984, the film began production in Los Angeles. Uh, Cameron felt that with Schwarzenegger on the set, the style of the film changed, explaining that the movie took a larger-than-life sheen. I just found myself on the set doing things I don't think I would do, scenes that were just purely horrific that just couldn't be because now they were too flamboyant. Yeah. I, he he was the Terminator. Yeah. I mean, the, at the end of the day, he, he embodied him. And you don't need him doing flips and floops and flops. You no. You know, it's just, no. he's a tank. Yeah. You he's know, it's a like killing the machine. It's just a tank that moves around, yeah. takes bullets, and shoots. You, you, he's not, there's no uh, finesse there's or no subtlety to him. or anything yeah. to that. Yeah. Most of the Terminator's action scenes were filmed at night, which led to tight filming schedules before sunrise. A week before filming started, Linda Hamilton sprained her ankle, leading to a production change whereby the scenes in which Hamilton needed to run occurred as late in the filming schedule as it would be allowed. Okay. Uh, ha- Hamilton's ankle was taped every day, and she spent most of the film production in pain. Ouch. Yeah. Schwarzenegger tried to have the iconic line, I'll be back, changed as he had difficulty pronouncing the word I'll. I'll, 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 I'll be back. I'll be back. Uh, uh, can I just say I will be back? Uh, he refused to change the line. So Schwarzenegger I'll, worked to say on the line, to say the line as written as best he could. I'll, I'll be back. I got it. Ah, hey, I'm good. <laughs> he would go on to say the line in numerous films throughout his career. There's a great scene in the uh, Radioactive Man Simpsons episode where uh, Milhouse becomes the sidekick of Radioactive oh, Man yeah, in the movie. Yeah. And uh, the... the 
character that they have, the Arnold Schwarzenegger character, Rainier Wolfcastle. Wolfcastle, yeah. He's supposed to say up and at him. And it's, they do this exact thing <laughs> where it's like, up and at him, up and at them. <laughs> up and at him, up and at them. Up and at him. <laughs> Oh, I'm at them. <laughs> it's great. It's great. And it, they, they totally took it to the Yeah, yeah. After production finished on the Terminator, some post-production shots were needed. These included scenes showing the Terminator outside Sarah Connor's apartment, Reese being zipped into a body bag, and the Terminator's head being crushed in a press. The final scene where Sarah's driving down a highway was filmed without a permit. Ooh. Uh, Cameron Heard convinced an officer who confronted them that they were making a UCLA student film. God, that's everybody. That is just... <laughs> You know, cops have got to be on <laughs> to this by now. Yeah, Because yeah. every time, because I can't tell you how many hundreds of hours of film I've shot, not yeah. permit. And uh, yeah, that was the thing. <laughs> you always had to have somebody with you that looked young enough right. that they could be. student ID. Right. Yeah. So th- it would be more believable. Right. You know, because the guy in his 4 a.m. student. Yeah. I'm UCLA. A, I go to UCLA. Where's your ID? Uh, Living in my car. <laughs> the Terminator soundtrack was composed and performed on Synthesizer by Brad Fidel. Oh, yeah, it was. Oh, Such an amazing soundtrack. That's such a good... That is such a good simple that that you hear that. Bum, oh, bum, it's bum, you bum. know exactly. You know it's the Terminator coming. Yeah, yeah, it's just iconic. Uh, Fidel was with the Gorfain Schwartz agency, where a new agent, Beth Donahue, found that Cameron was working on the Terminator and sent him a cassette of Fidel's music. Nice. Fidel was invited to a screening of the film with Cameron and Heard. Heard was not certain about having Fidel compose a score, as he had only worked in television, not theatrical films. Mm, he hasn't done theatrical films. Yeah. Only TV. Blah. Yeah. Blah. 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 Fidel convinced the two by showing them an experimental piece he had worked on, thinking that, You know, I'm going to play this for him because it's really dark and I think it's interesting for him. The song convinced Hurt and Cameron to hire him. Nice! Fidel said his score reflected, A mechanical man and his heartbeat. Almost all the music was performed live. Uh, the tram- At the theater? Yeah. You think he went around to every theater? No, it was... <laughs> yes. Uh, the Terminator theme is used in the opening credits and appears in various points, such as a slowed version when Reese dies and a piano version during the love scene. It was haunting. Yeah, It no. was. It was sexy. Uh, uh, it was described as... Haunting! With a... Deceptively simple... Melody recorded on a Prophet 10 synthesizer... It is in the unusual time signature of 1316, which arose when Fidel experimented with rhythm, rhythms and accidentally created an incomplete loop on his sequencer. Fidel liked the herky-jerky propulsiveness. It is... I rewatched this movie the last couple of years because an article came out about this time signature. Yeah. And how odd it was. It's super odd. And I had to, I had to watch the movie again because I was like, what? I still don't. I'm not a music guy, so I don't really understand. It's the... It's yeah, that whole like it's weird... Just, it's not... It's just super weird. I need to call up uh, our friend Matt Jordan, who is a musician, and ask him to somehow show me examples <laughs> so sure. I can understand better. But it definitely has that herky-jerky propulsiveness. It definitely does. It's weird. Uh, so Orion Pictures did not have faith in the Terminator performing well at the box office and feared a negative critical reception. What? At an early screening of the film, the actor's agents insisted to the producers that the film should be screened for critics. Yes. Orion only held 
one press screening for the film. All right, we'll do it, but only one. In its opening week, The Terminator played at 1,005 theaters and grossed $4 million, making it number one in the box office. Nice. F you, Orion. Yeah. The film remained at number one in its second week. It lost its number one spot in the third week to Oh God, You Devil. Yeah, with George Burns playing God and the Devil, how could you go wrong? Uh, Cameron noted that The Terminator was a hit relative to its market, which is between the summer and the Christmas blockbusters. But it's better to be a big fish in a small pond than the other way around. Yeah. The Terminator grossed $38.3 million in the United States and Canada and $40 million in other territories for a worldwide gross of $78.3 million off of a $6.3 million budget. Yeah, that's really good. That's very good. Critical responses to The Terminator were mixed. Variety praised the film, calling it a blazing cinematic comic book full of virtuoso movie-making terrific momentum, solid performances, and a compelling story. Schwarzenegger is perfectly cast as a machine-like portrayal that requires only a few lines of dialogue. The Milwaukee Journal gave the film three stars, calling it the most chilling science fiction thriller since Alien. Yeah. Janet Maslin, New York Times, opined that the film was a B-movie with flair, much of it has suspense and personality, and only the obligatory mayhem becomes dull. There is far too much of the latter in the form of car chases, messy shootouts, and Mr. Schwarzenegger slamming brutally into anything that gets in its way. What, did, what movie did you want, lady? Yeah, it's so you just didn't like it because it was the movie? <laughs> it's not the Purple Rose of Cairo, okay? Yeah. Uh, Scottish author Gilbert Adair called the film Repellent! To its last degree. Charging it with insidious Nazification. And having in appeal rooted in an unholy compound of fascism, fashion, and fascination. Yeah, he was the guy that wrote, um, he wrote a couple movie, a couple books that made into movies. He just seems like an asshole. Well, he missed the point. Yeah. Yes, I, 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 don't, I, I don't see insidious Nazification in this movie. I don't know what that means. What, the robots? I get, who? I mean, they're the bad guys. Isn't that... I don't... Un- yeah. The- I, I, I don't know. It doesn't make any anyway. sense. Writer Harlan Ellison stated that he... Loved the movie. Was just blown away by it. But believed that the screenplay was based on a short story and episode of The Outer Limits he had written titled Soldier and threatened to sue for infringement. Yeah, it was great because I wrote it. <laughs> Orion settled in 1986 and gave Ellison an undisclosed amount of money and added an acknowledgement credit to later prints in the film, which it did at the end. It, it the, One of the first things that pops up after the movie ends is... Uh, with essentially acknowledgement to Harlan Ellison's work. Okay. Uh, Cameron was against Orion's decision and was told that if he did not agree with the settlement, he would have to pay any damages if Orion lost a suit by Ellison. Cameron replied that he had no choice but to agree with the settlement. Of course, there was a gag order as well, so I couldn't tell this story, but now I frankly don't care. It's the truth. Yeah, at this point, he's worth like $8 billion. (laughs) Come at me! And Harlan Ellison's dead. Come at me, corpse! (laughs) Yeah. So, all right, so five sequels followed The Terminator. Terminator 2 Judgment Day in 1991, written and directed by James Cameron, which made over $520 million from a $102 million budget, the most expensive movie ever made at the time. Oh, yeah. I saw that in Boston on July 4th. Nice. Yeah, it was such a great day. We went to see my girlfriend and I at the time, went to see The Terminator, which, or Terminator 2, which didn't really know anything about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew it was a sequel. A sequel. Right, right, right. So we were blown away. And then we went to uh, the Half Shell on the Charles to listen to the Boston Pops. Nice. Uh, that sounds like, a, the sounds like a fun day. Uh, Fourth of July in Boston is great because you're right at the heart of democracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, was made in 2003, starring Arnie and Nick Stahl, Claire Danes, and Kristana Loken. It was directed by Jonathan Mostow. Uh, James Cameron was not involved at all. Yeah, you can uh, tell. It made over $433 million at the box office. Television series, Terminator the Sarah Connor Chronicles, which ran from 2008 to 2009, takes place after the events of Terminator 2 and ignores the events in Terminator 3. That was a good show. Yes, and, and understand that this is going to be a pattern in the Terminator franchise where they just ignore movies. Yeah. Uh, Terminator Salvation was in 2009, directed by McG, starring Christian Bale and Sam Worthington, which was a sequel to Terminator 3, but also worked as a soft reboot of the franchise doing quotes. It was set in the post-apocalyptic year of 2018. Ugh. It made over $371 million, but the budget had ballooned to $200 million. It was awful. Awful. I saw that movie in Dublin when I was living in Dublin. Ugh. I wandered to a theater by myself and sat down and watched this movie, and I was so sad. Even after that horrible movie, he cast Sam Worthington. Even though he betrayed James Cameron in that awful <laughs> movie, well, he still cast him in... The funny, uh, the funny thing is that he... To me, Sam Worthington was the most interesting part in that. Wasn't in that he a movie. Terminator? He, yeah, he was a. But he didn't know he was he like was. a hybrid, like he was a person, but had like nanobots that were put into him or I something. I think wasn't he supposed to be like best friends with John Connor yeah. and then kill yeah, him, and then but kill then he, him, yeah, you know, yeah. and then the whole thing. Oh, God, it was so this boring. was also the movie where Christian Bale uh, had the rant at the lighting guy. Good about, for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that was so embarrassing. And yeah. he's he's owned up to that too. Oh no, he has hundred percent. But he just wasn't right for that part, and he was in a completely different movie than yeah. than what that movie. It, it, it was. It was everybody just not was. good. It that, was not that good. movie was so disparate and it had so many bad things going for yeah. it, and nothing that kind of cohesed it together in any sort of no, no, you know, sensible film. So in 2015, they released Terminator Genesis, a complete reboot of the franchise directed by Alan Taylor. A reboot? A reboot. A reboot. <laughs> I got to get in my reboot. <laughs> hey, were you Canadian? Get yeah. in your reboot? Get in my reboot. Go see my reboot. Uh, it was. Uh, it brought back Arnie as the Terminator and also starred Amelia Clark as Sarah Connor and Jay Courtney as Kyle Reese. Now, is this a different, like, timeline or something? Yes. This is considered to be the third timeline in the series. The Terminator Salvation was the second timeline because it ignored the the would, show. But wouldn't the show be technically its own timeline? No, because it, it actually follows the events of Terminator 2. Really? Yeah, yeah. That was the whole thing. Is it was supposed to be kind of a sequel, like a continuation of T2. And then they bring the... It's about her building the resistance, essentially. Right. And then, but yeah. Summer Glau, she plays a robot, right? She's yeah. Like a... She's a, a, like, a, like a TX or whatever, which was introduced. The Christina Loken character in T3 okay. was that kind of could do... She was more solid, but still could do the liquidy stuff. Right. Like, I well, think that Summer Glau was like that. Although she was more close to the Sam Worthington kind of like cyborg. Well, because she was a good, a good, excuse me. Yeah, she worked She was them. a good yeah. cyborg. She was yeah. on their side. Yeah. I, I honestly don't remember a lot of the TV show. I don't, know I, I don't remember the apparently. plot lines and stuff. So, I yeah. I just, it just keeps getting overly complicated. Yeah. And yeah. the whole point, and we talked about this too, in, in the first Terminator, all of the Terminators look different because they were supposed to look like people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like the guy that comes in and opens fire in the base. Yeah, he's, he he's look like anything. some yeah, weird just some bodybuilder dude. dude. He's just no, like no, a body, guy. He's just a guy. Yeah. And then... A real big gun. And then in the 
this one of these I think it was the last Terminator movie where they made all the the CG young Arnold's, right? No, that was T3. That was the end of T3. But then they just had a bunch of Arnold's and it's just like that's yeah. the stupidest thing ever because then you know I guess at that point it was like, well, F it. They all know they're Terminators, so we'll yeah. just make them. Then why even put the skin on them? It was it was cuz Claire in T3 Claire Dean's father was there was that whole scene where her father sounded like Arnie, but then the actual like Arnie guy who they based him off of was like this like Texas Southern drawl. It was super weird. What? I don't even yeah, remember. Yeah, that. it was super weird. <laughs> anyway, Terminator Genesis made four hundred and forty million dollars from a projected one hundred and fifty million dollar budget, but sequels were scrapped after after the production company declared bankruptcy. Yeah. I- Cameron just, actually worked on this movie. Really? He was a consultant. Yeah. Like, he didn't, you know, he didn't, have, like, write anything and all that, but they got his blessing to do stuff. Because it was technically supposed to be a restart of the entire franchise. Right, yes. Ignore, yeah. ignore, ignore. Yeah. And I don't, I remember Amelia Clark in this. I do. I don't remember Jay Courtney as Kyle Reese, and I don't remember anything that happens in it. Also, Jay Courtney is another person that they tried really hard to make a star, and everybody was like, no thanks. Yeah. Well, it, I, okay, so because he was a good day no, to die I hard. agree, and he's I mean he's still working. He's not a bad. Actor. He's still working, but no, he's not. He's kind of falling that Michael Bean like he's yeah. Just not, I mean, yeah. he was in Suicide Squad, wasn't he? Boomerang in in one yes. of those movies. Yes, yeah, yeah, and yeah. They just kept trying with him, and I don't know. Again, he you know he's not bad. He's not bad. He was he was really bad though, and. Good Day to Die Hard, but everybody was bad. Well, in that. that wasn't a movie that should not have been made. Never been made. Oh, that's such an abomination. Uh, it all goes back to the fact that in T2 they talk about how Skynet just sent back hundreds of Terminators. So stupid. It's it just like overcomplicated. That's why the yeah. Terminator is such a great movie, is because they cut all that BS. I know. And it's I just an action movie with time travel elements that they don't. Take too much time to harp on. They show you what the right. future is. They show you what the past is. Right. They show you what the, you know, what, what the consequences are. But all of this lore that they've creating just makes it even more convoluted and less likely for me to want to watch it. Which is why in 2019 they released Terminator Dark Fate, which is a direct sequel to Terminator 2, and ignores everything that happened after it. Good, finally. Uh, it actually had a story by James Cameron, was directed by Tim Miller. Uh, although better critically received than other post-Terminator 2 sequels, Dark Fate was also considered a failure. It made over $261 million from a $196 million budget. Jeez, Louise. Who was in this one? Uh, I honestly cannot tell you the name of any of the actors. Really? Any, except for, Lind- most of them were new, except for Linda Hamilton. Oh, okay. And, and Arnie. Uh, Ar- this is the one where Arnie... Uh, goes into the, the very bar. five minutes, first five minutes. It's direct sequel. Uh, John Connor is like fifteen or something, and they're in. And he walks in, and then T-800 walks in and just kills John Connor. I like it's just done. Sarah Connor has no idea what to do. She's just like, ah! and then he just turns around and walks away. Wow. My job uh, was done. But he ends up uh, feeling bad about it. Apparently, that was my bad. And and every time Skynet was sending back a Terminator, he would text Linda Hamilton where it would show up so she'd be ready and then kill it when it showed up. Ah, you up? 
which there's is a new Terminator coming. There's there's a, a it's in one of those it's it's a, a woman and I honestly don't remember who, but she is the Terminator who comes back to kill them and and is looks like a person but can do the liquid and is right. still more solid and whatever. I kind of remember. I just yeah. I just remember the opening where Linda Hamilton shows up. She has like a rocket launcher, just blowing crap yeah. up everywhere. Maybe I'll watch it. But but it turns out they have it's it's interesting for Arnie in playing the Terminator because he's like an aged Terminator, right? And he's like thirty years later, and he's just like, I just want to own my ranch and like hang out and be a person. I just want to yeah. do my garden. I want to do my gardening. But take care of my uh, uh, labradoodles. <laughs> there was there was a whole. Skynet essentially did lose in this movie, but okay. then there was another AI that came up called Legion okay. that started it later. It like they just kept pushing the apocalypse back further. Yes, again, like those apocalyptic uh, <laughs> preachers who are like, oh, "The world's going to end on October 7th. Uh, so uh, this, oh, my math was wrong. This was actually supposed to be the start of a new trilogy. Mm. Uh, while working on the story for Terminator: Dark Fate that year, Cameron. And the writers envisioned this new trilogy. They also worked out the basic storylines for each planned film. Uh, in October of 2019, Cameron said the sequels to Terminator Dark Fate would further explore the relationship between humans and AI, while stating that a resolution between the two feeding sides would be the ultimate outcome. Okay. They're not happening because the movie didn't make enough money. It was all scrapped. Okay. It, it was all scrapped. Well, you know, it, it's, it's funny too, because it's never been more of a prescient time to have AI know, versus humans. It just seems like it would be really rife for uh, the pickings, you know? it's like I, I know, I agree. Uh, although the events of Terminator Dark Fate erased Schwarzenegger's T-800 character from existence, Cameron did not rule out the possibility of Schwarzenegger reprising the character, saying, Look, if we make a ton of money with this film and the cards say that they like Arnold, I think Arnold could come back. I'm a writer. I can think of scenarios. We don't have to plan for that right now. We don't have a plan for that right now. Let me put it that way. Hamilton said that she would probably reprise her role for a sequel, although she joked that she would fake her own death to avoid appearing in it, saying that making Terminator Dark Fate really was hard because of the physical training she had to undergo. She's in her 60s. Yeah. Uh, following the film's performance at the box office, sources close to Skydance told The Hollywood Reporter there were no plans for further films. Yeah, well, he's all on to Pandora now. Uh, Mackenzie Davis, one of the stars of Dark Fate, went on to reveal that the seventh film would not have been a direct sequel to Dark Fate, but a spinoff focusing on an alternate timeline version of Grace, who was apparently in Dark Fate, set in the future war similar to Terminator Salvation. It would not have featured Schwarzenegger at all. I think that the movie was trying to get have a graceful way of getting Schwarzenegger sure. out of the franchise. Yeah. Uh, but regardless... Even though he's all about Pandora and all about Avatar, it was later reported in May of 2023 that Cameron was developing a script for a Terminator reboot. Sure. Okay. I, but mostly probably because AI is a thing now. Yeah, I think yeah. so. And he's coming to the end of uh, the Avatar sequels. Isn't he? She's, no. She has no. three and four. God, I, no. There's five of them. And he Lord. has already shot three. Uh, and then he's planning on shooting four and five at the same time. Uh, but he wasn't going to do – it's funny because he shot all the stuff for three, and he was like, well, if two doesn't make money, then we're just going to scrap it. And it wasn't the highest grossing movie it was. in the world or something? That year, yeah. It was the – not in the world. I, I don't think it surpassed it boggles the my one. mind. I just – it's I've never – He has three of the top five highest grossing movies of all time. There is no other franchise I can think of that is good yeah. and makes so much money but is so utterly forgettable that I, nobody ever talks about it. 
he is a carnival barker that is selling the big tent, and you have to go see it on the theater. In the but theater. It, they're not bad movies. I know. They're I not. Know. It, I they, know. They're, it's just that there's something about them, and I don't know what it is, that just makes it – it's it's empty calories or something. I, it's just like as soon as you're done with it, you just – it's like a mind wipe or something. Yeah. I remember more from the second movie, but I think that's because I saw it more recently. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, they're not bad. I not enjoy them. I not really had a good they're time in it. Beautiful, beautifully yeah. made films. And the special effects are absolutely unparalleled. Yeah. And I'm not a big Sam Worthington fan, but he's good in these. Yes. And it's great yes. to see Sigourney Weaver or hear her. I guess you don't see her. Well, uh, yeah. It's probably I mean, she mocap. Does mo- yeah. She does mocap, yeah. But, yeah, they're, they're fine, yeah, I don't. I, there's absolutely no excitement for the sequels. I will see them, and I yeah. will probably yeah. really like them. Yeah, I, it's just it's not you know like hearing the oh a Terminator reboot. Okay, like that's I'm 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 interested. Maybe that's there's just nothing. That's probably it. I think there's no character like the Terminator or like Rambo right. or like Ripley. Right. In this movie, there's no main thing to kind of glom onto. Right. It just it's a it's it's the definition of an ensemble. Yeah. But I think that might be part of the reason why it's so forgettable is that there isn't that thing. There isn't the Arnold or the uh, or the Sly. Yeah. You know, yeah. or the Ripley or the thing that, that that the person that people can identify. Sam Worthington. People didn't really care. No. I mean, he's. Fine in it, but like he's it's great. not. He just doesn't have that same pull. No, that, that and it, it, it's it, it's also the character. It doesn't matter as much. Yeah, yeah. he's a cog in the wheel. Yeah, he. It's yeah. not him that saves everything. He helps to do it. He's part of it, but I just don't think that there just doesn't seem to have that one thing that people gravitate to yeah. that makes yeah. a franchise. Yeah, I agree. No? I agree. It's like the first non-star-driven franchise I can really think of. I, I, the only thing I'm interested in in the Pandora movies, Avatar movies, not Pandora movies, is that I think by five he's going to have it be set on Earth. I'm and like, dead. That is that is the thing that I'm most interested in. Maybe, but he's got to introduce these other three and fours, introducing other tribes and like. Well, it's air, the, water, the water, and then. Wind and fire, earth, wind and fire. <laughs> well, the yeah, I don't, I don't think the first one is is oh, maybe I don't. Anyway, yeah, they're they're matter. going through the element. We have elements. now talked about the Pandora franchise more than anybody else ever has on a podcast. True that. Well, look, Terminator, one and two, brilliant movies, absolutely brilliant, perfect movies. The first Terminator, I like the first Terminator better. Oh I think, yeah, I, I look, I think the second Terminator is. A better film, probably yeah. technically and whatever. Yeah, yeah. But that film, it was one of those films that was so surprising and grabbed me, like Rambo. Yeah. I mean, Ram- not Rambo, First, First Blood. Yeah. You know, it was a surprising movie. I didn't really know what I was getting into. Same thing with Terminator. I didn't yeah. know what I was getting into. And from the be- frame one of that movie to the end frame, oh, yeah. I was hooked. Edge of your seat. Made me, uh, made me a lifelong fan of Arnold. Mm hmm. Made me a lifelong fan of Cameron, and it just was one of those movies that came out of nowhere and kind of seemed like it'd been around forever. 
Right. You know? Right. They kind of seem like we've – it's just a, a, a movie that fits into our life that's always kind of been – for a lot of people, it has always been in their life. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and that's and, me. <laughs> yeah. Most people are younger than I am. But uh, but it's – it. I think more – I think all three of the movies this month were brilliant. And uh, at least Alien and Terminator were the beginnings of two – unbelievable filmmaking journeys of these of Ridley Scott yeah. and James Cameron yeah. two absolute brilliant filmmakers uh, artists who understand blockbusters yes. artists that yeah. understand how to make a movie that's smart but accessible right. right and that's not easy to do no no and and you know first blood it was kind of the beginnings of of Sly, you know, becoming a, a major, yeah. major star. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, it wasn't really a director's film. It was more no, of, you know, no. a star's it film. Was, but, it, it, yeah, yeah. But it's still, it, for, 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 for Sylvester Stallone, it was his most grounded movie of all of his franchises. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it, and it was some of the best acting he's I, ever I done. Had his best performance. Probably the best acting yeah. he's ever done. Yeah. Man, a Rocky one is a really good performance, mm, yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, yes, yes. You but know, I, considering, I, look, he... You just think he is the Rocky character, a big right, dumb goob, right, but right. he's not. I mean, Sylvester Stone's a very smart guy. He's an art collector. He's, yeah, yeah. I think he's overcompensated his entire career because he, I, I wouldn't want to be called a dummy my entire career no, too. No, so he's tried to kind of overcome that. Yeah, uh, talk through faced. Um, and you know, and it's and we also saw the beginning of three huge action stars. Yeah, yeah. Arnold and. Sly, two of the biggest in the world, yeah, and yeah. and their rivalry is is uh, famous and <laughs> hilarious. My fa- I think I I told this little tidbit on the Rambo show on the First Blood show, but the only reason we got stop or my mom will shoot right. is because Arnold basically tricked Sylvester Stallone into doing right, that right. awful movie, and I just love that we don't have that anymore. It, it, yeah. it was fun no. to see these two big. You know, guys have a right. rivalry, and then they got together to get Planet Hollywood. There was just such the yeah. movie stars were a lot more fun back in the day, yeah. and a lot more bombastic and weird, and did stuff. You know, now everybody has a publicist, and everything is so manufactured, and everything is so you know, just like I said with The Rock, pretending like, oh, I've never been in and out, and then you know, dude, you made right. four videos saying this. You know, right? People right. aren't idiots, and you know, it's just it's like Arnold never would have done that. No, no, he would have bought no. burgers and given them to his his little donkey and his little baby <laughs> horse. It's just it, it's just such a awesome time capsule too of the eighties. All three of these. Oh movies. yeah, yeah. And it just is one of my favorite things is going back and seeing the beginnings of people that are stellar stars now, right, or right. are amazing filmmakers yeah. now, and you can see why. Yeah, yeah. You watch Alien, you can see why Ridley Scott's a genius. Yeah. That yeah. movie is evergreen to me. And, and Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. And that movie could have been made today exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. And it still would have been a huge hit. Uh, Terminator, yeah, a couple of the effects stand out, sure. But sure. at the time, yeah. they were groundbreaking. Yeah, yeah. You know? And same thing with uh, with First Blood. You know? If it was a period piece, it's evergreen, you know? Right, right. You know, cell phones, whatever. But... This month has been just so much fun, and and it makes me want to watch 
not the Rambos, but it makes me want to watch the Aliens and yeah. the Terminators, and even these awful Terminator movies. I'm really curious because yeah. I don't remember yeah. them at all. Yeah. And I really, really want to watch the other Alien movies because even though those are flawed, I feel like all four of them are super interesting films. Right. Right. And it's just been such a fun month. It's been a great month. Yeah. Of going through some of the great movies and, and the really the ones that started them all. It's just, yeah. it's so cool and so crazy to think. Like, I never thought. In 84 or 83, going to see 80, this... 84. 84, yeah. going to see this movie that I'd still be watching Terminator movies in my <laughs> 50s. I know, I know. I think uh, I thought I'd be dead. But uh, <laughs> but it's just... It's really incredible. And if you haven't seen these films for whatever reason, you've yeah. been in prison for your entire life or something, or you're Amish, uh, and you're not anymore, he went on Rumspruga and was like, oh, I don't mm. think I'll be Amish anymore. Watch these movies. You're going to love them. And Terminator and Alien is a great double feature. Oh, yeah, yeah. An yeah. amazing double feature. And I would say First Blood and, like, uh, Jeremiah Johnson or something. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I, I would do First Blood and First Blood Part 2. Yeah. And then stop. Yes. Yeah. Stop on 2. Because you, you get just enough from the end of First Blood Part 2 to know where it's going. Yes. And you don't need to see any of the other ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, same thing with uh, Terminator, Terminator 1 and 2. Yeah. If you want to watch the show, watch the show. Three watch, is watch okay. The, watch the series. Yeah. You I would know, watch the series. Yeah. Uh, watch the Sericana Chronicles. And I would say all of the Alien stuff is definitely worth watching because yeah. y- you have some of the most amazing directors of all time tackling this and, and, and a completely different take every time. Right. And right. Uh, some better than others. But uh, <laughs> but anyway, what a great month. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to say one quick thing that I've been remiss about is uh, over the holidays, I know we're like three weeks out. Mm-hmm. But over the holidays, Adam cooked <laughs> so much delicious food, two pies, uh, breakfasts, ham. He even made on New Year's Day, there's a uh, tradition in my family, because we're from Texas, that you eat black-eyed peas on New Year's Day. I, probably a lot of you Southern people do that. There's all these different ways of doing it, and, and I guess we'll argue if we're from Tennessee or Texas. But uh, I usually either don't do it, which horrifies my mother, <laughs> or I'll just jam a can of beans and some uh, cold cuts and throw Ugh. some ketchup on it and, and choke it down. But uh, he made this amazing pot of the most delicious black-eyed peas I've ever tasted. And I sent a picture to my folks, and they immediately called. And were just, <laughs> my mom was just so ecstatic. Oh, my God, you're eating your peas. And uh, she Yay. didn't say anything like that. But uh, – <laughs> Well, but yeah, it was great, and I just wanted to thank you for, of course, really going above and beyond during the holidays and just taking care of all of us. It was really great, man. Yeah. Thank you. Of course, of course. You I, got y'all need an atom in your life. <laughs> <laughs> I love to cook, and I love to cook for people. So it's yeah. uh, did you it, use it all? Did you use all your cooking toys from Christmas with your new? Stuff? I did actually. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I did. It was nice. I gained nice. about fourteen pounds. It was, but nice. it was worth it. Uh, we'll be back next week. We're going to do a stepdad show, yeah. chat about other franchises and, sure. and fun things and, and fun stuff we've been watching. Yeah, we've been watching a lot, playing a lot. You're going to find out all about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be back. Uh, what's his first name? Uh, I was going to say Dana Schneider. No, it's Snyder. Snyder, not Schneider. It's Snyder. Snyderverse. It's, uh, oh my God, it's Rick D? No, it's... Uh, Zach. Zach. Yeah, if you were going to go through the alphabet, that would have taken all show. <laughs> no, it's just, I was thinking of uh, uh, D. Snyder from Twisted Metal. Or Bill Twisted Cal, Sister. Uh, Darren. Uh, Darren. <laughs> Everett. Uh, Zach. Zach uh, Snyder. Zach Snyder. Because uh, there was a – the 80s was the beginning of the fetish, fetish – 
The 80s was the beginning of the fetishization. Thank you. Red Bull. (laughs) The 80s was the beginning of the fetishization. Fetishization. The 80s was the beginning. Here's the bloop. (laughs) 80s is the beginning of the fetishization of guns. Yes. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, The Partridge Family, already in progress. 